It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go! Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We are back. On a Wednesday here on A's Cast Live, and boy, do we have a fantastic show for you. Dan Zimborski from Fangraphs will be here at 1.30. It's a Wednesday. That means it's a Ray Fossey day. I've already talked to Ray Fossey today. He's raring to go. Eno Saris will join us from The Athletic at 3 o'clock. And Zach Smith, who covers the Cardinals for MLB.com, will be here at 3.30 as we stay in the NL Central. It's actually Zach Silver as Cody. You're actually typing. <laughs> you're changing. My it. bad. I, that was my bad. <laughs> Zach. And then the, 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 the crown jewel of spring training so far, Buddy Reed is going to join us at some point after the game that's going on right now. Now, this, Cody, is a seven-inning game, correct today? Yeah, seven, inning, uh, seven innings. The game is not on radio on either side. I tried to check the radio feed for the Rockies, not on the radio. But if, for you wondering out there, all the Ace fans, A's are only up 7 nothing in the uh, top of the third inning. They've gone first base with one out. So has, there it is. Has Buddy Reed done anything today? Uh, no, he, on, he got on base on an error. So his on-base percentage is uh, still high, but the batting average might have dipped just a little bit. But uh, he's still having a... Marvelous spring after the home run yesterday. He has two on the spring. He has two assists from the outfield. I mean, we might have the next – I'm trying to think of guys. Remember, we did a whole thing with Feldy last year on the best uh, A's guys have uh, breakout stars at spring training. Buddy Reed might have to jo- might jolt to the top of that list if we do one for next year. Well, I mean, this I mean, this is where you make the impression on Bob Melvin, the front office, the coaching staff. I mean, you have a good spring – they're going to be thinking it. They're, they're going to be looking at you. And, you know, looking at Buddy Reed's stats, he wasn't a big power hitter in college. He played at Florida. Someone's calling me from Alabama. You don't think that's spam? Um, let's see. The most home runs he ever hit in a college season was four. Kind of once he got in the minor leagues, kind of established a, a little more power. Obviously, he's super athletic. He's got a ton of doubles. He's got a ton of triples. And what is he, about 25 years old, right around there? So he's kind of entering that part uh, of his career where, 
you know, you got to. I think he's 20. God. He's a college guy, remember? So he'll, he actually right now, is, he's 25. He'll be 26 in April. Yeah, I mean, this is the time where you either, you, you know, when you hit around this age is where you're going to, you know, and there's outliers, obviously. But when you get into the 25, 26 range, I mean, this is when you're going to figure out whether you're going to have a career in this sport or not. You know, there, there, you know, there, there have been some guys that hang around in the minor leagues for years. And then, I mean, look at Brandon Moss or, you know, finally they get a shot, um, you know, usually in, in a different organization. And obviously Buddy Reed came from the Padres. But that's not that doesn't happen a lot where a guy will finally get a shot late 20s. I mean, there's even been guys from, you know, guys in their 30s, but usually about 25, 26, 27, you know, you're going to you're really going to figure out in your career, Cody, whether this this sport is is for you or not. As we're talking about Buddy Reed right now, he's actually up. He's down 0-2 in the call. Now it's 1-2. It took a ball. Two guys on base, one of them being uh, maybe the hottest hitter in ace camp, Pete Cosma. He's hitting 800 in spring training right now after he had another hit in this previous at-bat to get two guys on in the third inning. So we'll keep you up to date on Buddy Reed's at-bat here in the third inning. But, yeah, I mean, Buddy Reed, I mean, the nice thing about him, too, is he's a switch hitter, and he can steal bases. Remember how we talked about we want to see more excitement in baseball? Well, he's the guy that steals bases. He stole 23 in double-A for the Padres in 2019. I know we're getting – we're probably putting the cart way before the horse here. Uh, but still, I mean, it's time, this is what happens in spring training. You get excited about You get excited about these players, guys that – you know, he's probably not a guy that projected to make the roster with Elise Barrera and Seth Brown, you know, projected to be the fourth and fifth outfielders. But Buddy Reed's been making a, a pretty good impression so far in ace camp. You know who doesn't get excited? Bob Melvin. Me. And I've said it for years. Oh. Don't fall in love in March and don't fall in love in September. You just don't do it. I know you get excited. I had someone texting me yesterday, a buddy texting me about Buddy Reed, going, is this guy Is this guy for real? I'm like, I, I never see him play. We haven't seen anybody. I mean, unless you played in big league baseball, we haven't seen you in well over a year. We weren't allowed at the alternate site. We weren't allowed. Minor leaguers didn't play. This guy, I mean, who knows? I don't fall in love in March or September. If you want to, that's fine. I fall in love in July, in the middle of the season, when I know someone can actually play and be legit. Don't fall in love in spring training, folks. Hey, I if, if this kid is for real, that'll be great. Athleticism, adding athleticism to the roster, I mean... Let's be honest, not going to hurt. And I think that's one of the things that Elvis Andrus is going to add to this roster is some much needed being able a guy to steal bases. And he's saying he's healthy. And what what did he say on our show, Cody? He says he feels like he's 20 years old again. Well, if he's going to be like that and he can steal like 30 bags, you know, that would be nice to see the A's do something other than hit home runs, strikeouts, and walks the three true outcomes. 
Uh, I actually have some cuts from Elvis Andrews speaking to the media yesterday. I'll play the first one of you, uh, first one for you. He was talking about well, what you just said. He wants to steal more bases. Yeah, we've been talking a lot. He wants to get more stolen bases, and that's something that I noticed. I was like, I know you guys can hit, but like, why nobody's stealing here? So uh, they're still young, and they want to get, they, they want to steal, like him, Chapman, and, and the rest of the guys. And I was like, you know, it's not too hard. I mean, stealing bases is not rocket science. So. Uh, through spin training, you know, I talked to them already. Well, I, it's going to happen. Like, you guys are going to steal. Like, I'll make sure you guys are still. Uh, so just stay healthy. But, uh, you know, they want to learn, man. They're young, but they're so talented, which is it's a rare combination, you know, now in the game. I got a little ahead of myself there. That was Elvis Andrews talking about having the team still more bases after his conversations with Ramon Laureano. There is also a cut of him talking about wanting to steal more bases. And here's what he had to say about that. That's part of my game. Uh, I love to steal. And through all the years, you know, I've been able to, you know, get a little smarter, you know, smarter uh, stealing. Uh, don't try to go crazy like I did in my 20s, uh, you know, like without like looking at it, just keep going. Right now it's more like, you know, trying to look for counts and all that. But, yeah, so far, far you know, Bob told me, you know, he wanted me to be myself. He wanted me to go out there and, and play the way I've been doing all the time, you know. Being smart, staying healthy, but yeah, as I'm planning, I'm planning to stole a lot, a lot of bases this year. So that's that's a plan. I gotta tell you, ever since we interviewed him, he was down in Miami when the trade happened. He was on vacation. And the more that I've actually looked into his career, not only from a standpoint of just pure stats and data, but into the kind of man that he is, I'm really excited. I mean, I, I and I love Marcus Simeon. We love Marcus. I think you know, and it's sad that Marcus is gone, but that's professional sports. There's going to be movement, and we're going to root for Marcus. And who knows, Marcus could always come back. As we on Monday did, the top ten guys have had multiple stints with the A's. But Elvis is a special guy. This guy's had a terrific career. This guy's a winner. This guy has played in 42 playoff games. He's had 191 plate appearances in the postseason alone. And you can just tell already when he walks into the room, there's respect. There is, hey, this guy, this guy has been beating us up for years. This guy has played in World Series. This guy has played at the highest level. So if you're Matt Chapman, you're Matt Olson, you're pretty much anybody. You know, when he when he talks, you're going to listen. He is a veteran presence that is going to be great for this already fantastic A's clubhouse. I'm excited to see what he's going to do this year. He is more athletic than Marcus. He doesn't have the power of Marcus, but he's more athletic. He's a better shortstop. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but let's just be honest. From what I've seen over the years, this guy, this guy's legit. And you add him to Matt, a healthy Matt Chapman, the left side of the infield is going to be incredible. And no matter what, in the end, how do the A's win? They win 
with pitching and defense. I got a guy named Ray Fossey coming on here in a little bit that will tell you all about it, and he's got two rings because of it. Chicks dig the long ball. We love home runs. We love runs scored. But if the A's are going to win the West and the A's are going to make a run at winning a World Series, it's because of their pitching and their defense. If you remember back a few years ago when the A's defense was literally the worst in baseball, how did that work out? It was awful. But that all flipped, and now their defense, when you're basically got the best defensive third baseman, you got the arguably the best defensive first baseman, at least top three, and now you're adding a shortstop with great defense. If Jed can be healthy, I mean, Jed doesn't hurt you, a former shortstop playing second base. I don't need him to be Joe Morgan or Roberto Alomar. I just need him to get the ball, you know, balls are hit at him, make the plays. And this big kid behind home plate, Murphy, and you got a center fielder out there in Loriano who just grabs every, I mean, Cody, when you look at the A's defense this season, I mean, one of the reasons why I'm so bullish on this team, I think this team is going to be really, really good. And one of the reasons why they're going to be really, really good is they, they pick up the ball, they throw the ball and they do it really well. Yeah, they have a very good defense, as we're as you chronicled, and a lot of people chronicled from years prior when that defense was so bad. I mean, that's when the team was really bad, obviously, too. The three years where they were, you know, well under 500, the team struggled on defense, and they started putting it together 2018, 2019, and last year, obviously, winning the division. When you have three guys in your infield that are pretty solid guys that finish in gold, you know, two of them are gold glove winners. Marcus should have been a finalist uh, a couple of years, but... And you have you add in Jed Lauer. You're not expecting to be uh, the greatest, like you mentioned, uh, Roberto Alomar out there, or even Robbie Cano in the field. Not not batting, not Robbie Cano the, the batter. Robbie Cano the fielder. Someone that's good defensively. Just someone that's average. I mean, be better than Profar. It's we're all we're asking. Make that throw from second to first. But that's what you need. And and I think they have the defense to do that in the infield. Murphy's very very plus plus behind the plate defensively. And then in the outfield, you have Loriano and. Mark Hanna can play anywhere in the outfield and Piscotti. So they have good defense all around. And you add in a guy like Mitch Moreland to play DH, and he can play first base. He's won a gold glove before playing first base. So they have defense all around, and it's great. And then the pitching, we already know, is second to none. They did number one bullpen ERA in baseball last year. Now, yes, they lost Liam Hendricks, but they brought in Trevor Rosenthal and Sergio Romo and others to help fill that void. So uh, you got you got to be very high on the A's this year, especially with their bullpen and defense, if you're looking at just those two aspects of the game. So yesterday, when it came down for Major League Baseball that they're going, they're going to delay the AAA season, and we're going to go back to an alternate site. I was shocked, but I understand. We're still dealing with the virus, and I know we're now starting to open up. But you know, we're going to have indoor dining now, and we're starting to open up. But I think baseball is being smart that they're going to, you know, they're going to, and, and we've, we've said it here, and I know people don't want to hear it, but 2021 is still going to look like 2020 in a lot of ways. And baseball needs to get out to a start better than how they started last year. 
So you have a clip of Scott Emerson speaking about this? Yeah, Emo was asked about the alternate site uh, earlier today before the game. He spoke to the media, and he mentioned kind of where the uh, his thoughts on the alternate site and where it could be this year for the A's before the AAA season starts. I don't All really right, know keep... what the alternate camp, uh, where that would be. Somebody told me possibly Stockton, and we'd be able to play games against Sacramento, which would be the Giants organization. Uh, that would be good to get uh, – you know, some green and gold against some black and orange, you know, different colors, you know, sometimes at the alternate site, um, you know, you're just working on stuff and, and really not focused in on, on really getting your out. So playing another team would be great. Uh, I think our guys, you know, I, I'm so impressed with our guys and, and the ability that they, they take their job seriously and they know how to go out and compete and get their outs, no matter who's in the box. I mean, you, you look at, uh, I remember last year, Frankie Montas versus Matt Chapman in summer ball, and the first pitch is 98 miles an hour. You know, you, you want to show off a little bit to your teammates sometimes. And uh, so there's always healthy competition going into these sim games, these inter-squad games. But I, I do like better competition. Again, I think it's better to go out and face a different opponent. And... Um, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I did hear rumors that that possibly can be the case if we both line up and we're within driving distance, a Stockton-type uh, Sacramento matchup. You'd have to probably ask the higher-ups on that one, but I, I thought I heard a rumor about that. I mean, I like it. I think he's right. I mean, when you start playing against people that you don't know, it, that that's more of a, a real game because let's face it last year, the alternate site, you're just playing against the, you're, you know, same guys, same organization over and over and over again. And you're basically two different groups. You are the group that potentially could help the major league team, or you are part of the group that you're super, super young and they don't want you to lose a year of baseball. I am just so worried about minor league baseball. I really am. And obviously we focus on the big club. The money for major league baseball is with the big clubs. So it's always going to be about protecting major league baseball. Totally understand that. But I also understand how fragile minor league baseball is right now. And you have all of these players that have not played for over a year. You you can tell me they've been working out and what, I mean, you're a minor league baseball player and you weren't invited to the alternate site. You haven't, you, you haven't been in uniform. And they're already pushing the season back. They're already shortening the season. I'm really worried for these guys and how this, and nobody knows. I don't care if you're Billy Bean, Brian Cashman, and you've been in this business for a long, long time. Nobody knows how this is going to really, in the end, affect your minor league system. It's not going to be good. There's going to be no good that comes out of this for your minor league system. 
I mean, these guys haven't played. I mean, you think of where the minor league system, Cody, when the minor league, when it ended in 2019, and now where we are in 2021, how long these minor leaguers have not played in professional games? You're right. Think about when the minor league system ended in 2019 and where we are today in 2021. Man, these guys haven't played in a this is the most they've never played in their lives. Yeah, and it's it's it is concerning and we, there I mean there are the guys the super uber prospects like a Wander Franco who hit a moonshot home run earlier uh in spring training today for the Rays against uh well the Pirates. So does that really count? But it was still it was still a great home run, and you got these guys that are that are going to do it. The Adley Rushmans, the Spencer Torkelsons, the guys that either played college baseball and you know they're going to be uber talents. It's more it's affecting the guys like more like maybe a Buddy Reed who hasn't played since 2019. He's trying to make the major league roster, and he hasn't played in, in a game and you know before this spring training until uh, since 2019, and it makes a lot of sense and. You know, I, th- I think one of the reasons why they're doing this with the uh, alternate camps is what I read from ESPN is that they think that the sites could last longer into the season, is, and it's because uh, these training facilities for players who are likely to be called up to the major leagues, meaning the guys you, that can you know go to and from, that way they're you're closer to the home stadiums and have easier oversight for testing and COVID protocols. So that makes a little bit of sense. And it also helps uh, allow players to get vaccinated before they get sent to the minor league affiliates as well. So I, I can see why they're doing it, but you're right. Like you need to have competition for these guys, for these lower level, like lower level um, organizational players. They haven't played in forever. A guy like Nick Allen needs to get some reps. He can't just be sitting around. Logan Davidson, I know he's a college guy, but he needs to get reps. These guys you want to see play in Oakland, they can't just be. They you know they haven't played since 2019. They need to get chance for game action. And the alternate site last year was great, and we heard a lot of great stuff from Fran Reardon and Bill Moriarty, who does the Athletics Farm podcast, but. We, we need to see them playing games against other teams that aren't their own teammates, and hopefully we'll get to see that starting in May with all of minor league baseball, AAA all the way down. And the tough thing for these organizations, and it's just a reality, you don't know what these kids have been doing. And I'm not talking about baseball. I mean, you, you, you have to protect – You have to protect the big club. And you don't know. You don't know. I mean, these kids are all over the country. You don't know if they've been partying. You don't know who they've been hanging out with. I mean, think about that. They haven't been tested. So it's like, what, what, you know, this, the minor league teams just bringing thousands of guys back to camp. I guarantee you the CDC is going to be like, this is not a good equation. I mean, it's it's real life stuff. I got a feeling that a lot of big league players kind of kept in a bubble. Like when we talked to Liam Hendricks at the end of the year, when he left Los Angeles and went back to Florida, Liam was kind of like, wow, I can't believe how open it is. I, I'm not I'm not changing. So I would bet 
a lot of these guys left the bubble from the playoffs, thinking of A's players or any other team, to where all of a sudden they still were like, okay, we're gonna gonna be wearing masks, not gonna be going out, not because we talked to Matt Olson on Monday. Matt Olson was basically like, yeah, I haven't really done anything. But you don't know what a 21-year-old has been doing who's in your minor league system or a 22-year-old or a 23-year-old. Hell, 18, 19, you have no idea. I mean, I, I, that's a really good question to ask David Force next week is how are you going to bring these guys back? And are you going to test them all? Or are you going to see, you know what I mean? Because, look, Frankie Montas tested positive for COVID. Last year, Jesus Lazardo. And we've, we've, we've talked to Jesus about it. He didn't feel it at all. I mean, how many of these young guys are you going to be bringing back to your camp and they haven't been tested yet? And they don't even know if they have it or not. That's kind of scary. And you're around older coaches. I mean, I don't know about, you know, Cody, you've been tested multiple times. I've been tested multiple times. You know, knock on wood. Thank God we don't have it. But if you're going to have 30 teams bringing in how many guys, and there's, there's, a, there's a lot that front offices have to weigh there about how they do it, protocol, how they do it safely, how do you protect the older coaches, how do you have a spring training with these guys? And then now we're talking about an alternate site. How are you going to run that? Who's going to run it? I mean, Fran Reardon's job is to be the AAA manager, not to run the alternate site. But are you going to have him do that? Which coaches are you going to, you know, if Emo's right, which coaches go to Stockton? Which players go to Stockton? My bet would be this, that this version of the alternate site you're not going to have the young players. The young players will hang back. Solderstrom and these guys hang back in Arizona and do a regular spring training and get ready for a minor league season. And essentially what you'd have is Caprellian, Holmes, you know, these guys would be the guys that, but they're going to need position players to play against. So it's basically, I don't know, Cody, what? You take the team that you thought would be your AAA team and put them in Stockton, and that's your alternate site? I mean, this is weird stuff. This is all stuff that's never happened before. Essentially, like, you know, guys like maybe Seth Brown and Luis Barrera, maybe Buddy Reed, the guys that aren't going to be on the, you know, the four, the 25-man roster, sorry, 26-man roster, whatever it is this year. Uh, I think 28. It's 20. Are we going to start with 28? Uh, I'd have to double-check. But whatever the roster size is, you're not going to have all those guys on the roster. So they're probably there. You're right. Holmes, Caprillion, Jeffries, those guys. Um, Cole Irvin, maybe if he doesn't make it as a long reliever, long reliever in the bullpen, uh, who pitched very well today, two scoreless innings for a Cole Irvin, friend of the program. But I, those are the guys you're going to see there. The, the Soderstroms, the uh, I think Nick Allen probably goes to Arizona. The younger guys, you probably keep them in Arizona, get ready for minor leagues, and the guys you think that could help you at the alternate site for the major league roster, the guys that will be in, in Stockton, if that's where they have it. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, well, we're going to watch it play out, and it's going to be very interesting. Coming up next, Dan Zimborski from Fangraphs, senior writer at Fangraphs, will join us right here 
on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. And we got Dan on the line. Dan, welcome back to A's Cast Live. Hey, how's it going today? Uh, it's going good. Spring training, just to, you know, to hear baseball back on the radio and, and back on A's Cast and to hear fans in the stands. Just how great has that been? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very happy we're not having July spring training this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not down for summer camp anymore. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it. Yeah, last year was too weird, and obviously, baseball's like you know the three thousandth most important thing really going on last year. But I'm hoping that you know baseball makes it feel like that we're kind of slowly returning to normal. You know, you do projections, and I just wonder because obviously this off season was i mean it was slow we're used to so many people signing by the winter meetings in december what was it like trying to make projections this year with so many guys signing so late it it, it was super weird i mean the the shortened season created its own problems already because normally you kind of know from history how much to wait certain seasons but how do you rate how do you weigh a season which you know there's no precedent in baseball and I know teams were frustrated, too. I talked with one front office. Uh, I won't say who, but they even told me that our budget is a fluid thing. We don't even really know what it's going to be in two months. So it's been kind of, you know, an adventure, not in a good way for everybody. Uh, but for, from a projection standpoint, my, my only, uh, I guess, consolation is that everyone else doing projections has the same problem I do. <laughs> I mean... You know, we talked to David Forrest, our general manager, and I think you could say this for all the GMs, let alone the National League GMs, where you don't know what the roster size is. You don't know if you're going to have a DH or not in the National League. I can't imagine what this offseason must have been like for these front office types where you're making these multi-million dollar decisions, but yet you totally don't know the rules. Yeah, and like last year when baseball was like, oh, right before the season, oh, yeah, uh, we're going to have 16 teams instead of 10. I mean, that, that changes how you approach an offseason. Uh, I mean, NL teams, what are they supposed to do for, if there's going to be a DH or not? Do they get a DH? Do they not? Do they just wing it? Because that gives them a disadvantage when they play AL teams if they suddenly have to find a DH. Now, when you look at the Oakland A's, how did you view them through the offseason, and then how do you view them once – David Force and Billy Bean made a ton of moves and basically shirred up their holes. Like, like what was the difference of looking at the A's from the off season till basically the start of spring training? Well, they've made some low key pickups that, that have some upside and kind of fill holes in the roster. Uh, I know you were, you were just discussing Elvis Andrus before, a minute ago. And it, 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 I mean, it stinks to lose Chris Davis. Cause you know, you remember him when he was at his best. But right now, the A's have more guys who can play like Chris Davis these days than they have who can play shortstop. And those little moves matter because there's no juggernaut team in the division. The Astros are not the team they were even two years ago. Their their pitching staff is weak. They just lost uh, Framber Valdez to a broken finger. Uh, So I I think the A's are in a strong position. uh, But, you know, it's not an overwhelming position. There are some weaknesses on the team. 
Yeah, you know, when I, when I look at, at this club going in and adding to the bullpen, because we thought the bullpen, you know, losing Liam Hendricks and there was no Trevor Rosenthal yet, you know, all of a sudden you're like, well, but then once they sign with Mero Petit back and Sergio Romo and Trevor Rosenthal, you started to realize this bullpen went from maybe a potential weakness to this is going to be a tough bullpen to make out of spring. Yeah, there's, there's, it's not really like top heavy, but it's deep. I'm very comfortable when you talk about like the sixth or seventh or eighth guys in the rotation because then you're talking about like Adam Kralark or Nick Turley or I don't know Bert Smith. But there are there's a lot of interesting arms in in that in that bullpen. Uh, well, I, I don't know what your reaction was, but my, my reaction because you know we used to have Aaron Boone on the program when uh, he was broadcasting at ESPN, but hearing about a medical leave and a pacemaker and he's like 47 years old and he's in the hospital right now. Just I, how, how shocked were you when we heard that news at a Yankee camp today? Yeah, I was surprised. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, in, in, it, it, what's good is that he is relatively young. So that does help, you know, the, the risks. I mean, he had open heart surgery in I think 2009, that was like the year before I joined the ESPN, I think. Uh and he, he, he was not an old man at the time. He was 36. I'm, I'm 42. That, that always shocks me when someone much younger than me has, has a problem like that. But, you know, he's going to get the best medical care. Uh, so, you know, everyone's pulling for, for, for the best for him. Yeah, I mean, he's just a year younger than me. So when that popped up, I was like, wow. I just uh, – and root for the best. Because if, if you don't know him, he really is one hell of a guy. He's a great guy. Yeah, uh, I got to talk with him a bit. Uh, one of our ESPN meetups, I think it was 2012 or so. Uh, he had a lot of fun uh, with with Pedro Gomez, who's another person who's really missed. No doubt about it. You know, looking at these lists uh, of teams that people think, oh, they could be better than you think. Are you buying the Angels? Because every single year, I keep saying, yeah, they got a they, they got a good lineup, but I don't know how they get 27 outs on a consistent basis. Yeah, that's kind of the problem with the, the Angels because their challenge doesn't seem all that hard because you start with Mike Trout. And once you start with Mike Trout, the challenge is to kind of build an 80-win team around Mike Trout. That doesn't sound that hard, but the Angels have kind of failed to do that for most of the last decade. Uh, they're interesting in some respects. Uh, I mean, adding uh, Rendon, uh, not this offseason, obviously, but that was a big help to the lineup because he's been giving them kind of what Albert Pujols never did. But, you know, I don't know how confident I feel about Dexter Fowler in a corner. Justin Upton looked absolutely terrible the last couple of years. Uh, there, there are things to like. And, and what happens to the pitching staff when someone gets injured? Because their depth just isn't that impressive. So the Angels could be dangerous if things go right for them. But it's very easy to, you know, get that apple cart off course. So during these times when we're in spring training and still kind of in, in off-season mode, we'll go around to every single camp and we'll we'll preview every single team. And right now we're in the NL Central, and today we're going to be doing the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't think a lot of people realize this. The Cardinals have had 13 consecutive winning seasons, which is one heck of a streak. And now you're adding Nolan Arenado. Just talk about the consistency that we've seen out of the Cardinals for so many years. Well, one of the things I, I talk about depth a lot is the Cardinals always have, they, they really deal with their holes well. They rarely have glaring weaknesses. 
Uh, I even joked when I was doing a preview piece uh, back in, in um, I guess, January that no matter what I predict, the, the Cardinals are probably going to win between 86 and 91 games. So just call it that. Because <laughs> yeah. they do that every year. Uh, it's, it's what, I mean, sometimes they miss, you know, that superstar at the, at the very top of the lineup. Uh, but, you know, the NFL Central does not look like a good division. And you have to like the Cardinals this year. Yeah, that's, you know, you know part of the problem that, and I don't know what baseball is going to do. I don't know how this CBA is going to go once it's up and they start negotiating again. It's just, there's just, damn, there's just too many teams that are, are, are not trying to win. Yeah, one of the problems is the incentives created by the revenue sharing system. Because the way revenue is shared, it's shared on the basis of low revenue. So for a team like the Rays that doesn't really see attendance when they win games, I mean, they always have poor attendance. Winning, investing in the team just results in them losing revenue sharing money. I think you have to on some level, I mean, you would share more to smaller markets, but I think you have to incentivize winning on some level. The Rays should get more in revenue sharing if they win 90 games than if they win 75 games, because that's how you, you know, you, you provide a motivation and that, that leads to, to teams wanting to invest. I mean, the NL Central for months, the, the best free agent signing in the offseason was Daniel Robertson, a utility infielder. Uh, I was glad that Nolan Arenado actually made something happen. Well, I, I mean, you just made the point of, you know, one one of the ways to maybe change the game. We've actually talked here about if you're going to have these luxury taxes and you're going to try and keep teams from spending a lot of money, then why don't we have a floor and at least make teams spend X amount of dollars. I mean, there's something that has to go on that baseball and the players union has to agree on to change how these front offices work. I think one thing that would help, uh, it won't necessarily make free agency, you know, more lucrative, but I think the, since teams really know that the cost controlled young players are at the peak of their career, it's harder than ever to convince teams that, you know, 31 year old guys are going into their prime. I think you have to figure out how to get more of the pot to some of the younger players. Uh, you know, the ones that, you know, are can be stars for six years and, you know, make less than Ian Desmond makes in one season. Uh, I, I, I think that that's something they have to deal with. And that's how they're going to have to grow the pie long term, because I don't think the day of getting owners to, you know, overpay for, say, a 34-year-old fourth outfielder, I don't think those days are coming back. So they need to grow that, that share in other ways. I'm so glad you made that point because uh, the other day I was making the point. You look at every other sport. No one's looking for mid 30 guys. No one's looking for a mid 30 linebacker. No one's looking for a mid 30 defensive back uh, guys in their mid thirties in the NBA are sitting on the bench. Uh, for some reason, baseball put itself in a position to where the older players get paid, but in every other sport, that we look at hockey, NBA, NFL, they're not looking for older guys, and they're clearly not looking to overpay for older guys. Yeah, there. Uh, one, I guess, one benefit is in in baseball, uh, since it's not as physical a sport as football. Obviously, you have players who you know survive long enough to be overpaid that way. Yeah, I, it's. I mean, unless you're uh, Tom Brady or Drew Brees, <laughs> it's a whole different ball game. Hey, uh, let's end on this. Baseball announced the delay to the AAA season yesterday. We're going back to the alternate sites. Now, last year, 
the alternate sites were either guys that can help you win now or your top prospects that you don't want them to lose a year. But I have a feeling this is going to be different. Is the alternate site you think will probably be the majority of your triple A guys and you and you'll keep the young guys back in Arizona? Uh, yeah, I think it'll be more of a taxi squad this year just because there seems to be, you know, it, it seems to look right now that there's going to be a real season. Uh, now, I think that you had to have, you know, some of your young players, especially guys who really needed the playing time. You needed to have them available and try to get them some time if you could. But I think now it, it, it's more likely that you can, that you can use it kind of as, as additional depth because, you know, pitchers especially – I mean, they did not have a long season last year, so we don't know the long-term effects on arms, really. I mean, everyone's just guessing on that. Oh, yeah. I mean, no one has no one has the answer. I mean, no one has the answer for a, for a lot of stuff because, obviously, we've never been through something like this. And I, I'm trying to be glass half full and say that maybe the time off for a lot of pitchers, especially these young pitchers, that maybe this is good for their arms because – you know, now that guys throw year round and we've seen so many Tommy John surgeries, Dan, I'm just hoping that limited innings and limited time will benefit pitching long term. Yeah, that that's my hope, too. But it, it's just weird how surreal really the last year has been. I remember, I mean, when we were talking when I was talking with my boss about, you know, spring training travel and there was talk about, you know, the virus and I was like, oh, I'm not so worried about it. And then like a week later, I, I texted him. I'm kind of worried about it. And I don't think anyone envisioned what it would be. So I, we're all just kind of guessing and just trying to, you know, do the best we can one day at a time. Dan, it's always great to have you on the program. Be well, be safe, and let's talk soon. Always fun. Thanks for having me. The world of the unknown. We live it every day. I mean, it's just... Until everybody gets vaccinated, which my wife's getting vaccinated today as a teacher. Cody's fiance has been vaccinated as a, uh, she's a nurse, works in a hospital, delivers babies on, an, uh, on not a daily basis, but every single week. And then you got schmucks like Cody and I, who are lower level employees at the back of the line. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, I I, read I, I, I I think uh Ken Korak has been vaccinated. Well, that's good. Those are the guys that need to get it. Though the people, yeah. the old, you know, sixty-five and older, and the the you know the teacher, the educators like your wife and and the frontline workers need to be educated or educated, vaccinated before we are. But I know the plan that I read yesterday is to have uh, where there's going to be enough vaccine to to vaccinate all adult, um, you know, all adults by the end of May, which is great. But I'm I'm patient. I can wait till then. Um, there's more, many, many more important people in this world that need it than we, you and I do. Yeah, and we got to get our kids back in school. I mean, that's. I, I think all of us parents are. <laughs> I think we're all on board with that. We need to get our kids. We need to get our teachers vaccinated. We need to get our kids back in school because so many kids are falling behind, and there's all kinds of other mental issues that are going on with children not being in school and uh, we just we, we need to get them back and you know speaking as a parent of 15 year old twin girls who you know watching them their first year of high school be from my living room is it's tough to watch and I really and you know getting back to like the seniors I mean you, you think of someone 
you lost basically your junior year and your senior year of high school. Like we, we don't know it. I mean, can't even explain how that is. It's awful. You know, college kids can't be on campus. It's awful. We need to get you know, every and, 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 and relating back to sports. How many kids lost out on their junior and senior year of sports? That's when you get your scholarship. That's when you get drafted. That's, you know, and that's both girls and boys. Softball, volleyball, track, you, you name it. Baseball, football, basketball, all these different sports for, for girls and boys at, in your youth when this is your opportunity to get your college somewhat paid for, if not fully paid for, so many of these kids lost that opportunity. Let me tell you something. That was a big thing in my life. Playing college baseball was a big deal for me. It was big for my education. It was big for me as an adult. It changed my life. Like, I'm not here talking to you if it's not for Sam Peraro, my old coach. I'm not here. I don't have my wife. I don't have my kids. I don't have my house. Who I, who knows? Like, I had offers from different places. Let's just say I took that offer to UC Irvine. Do you think I'm working for the A's, Cody, if I, if I went to UC Irvine? You'd be on a beach somewhere in Southern California. Let's be real. Oh, God, that might have been a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm living in, you know, if you could go back and you go like, well, God, I'd be living in Huntington Beach. <laughs> I'd be living in the OC. Maybe you just don't know. So I look at those opportunities that I, I, I that I got, and I feel so bad for so many kids who didn't get. I'm just happy, you know, from where I live in San Jose, across from a park, I know I've mentioned this before, but across from the street from me, that's where Mark Canna played Little League. It's where Kevin Franzen, you're talking about big leaguers, played Little League across the street from my house. And to finally start seeing kids back out practicing baseball and softball, it's like, it's good to see. You know, being cooped up with your parents, can you imagine? Cody, can you imagine being in high school and you're at home with your parents every day? I can't even imagine how awful that would have been. I, I always joke with people, including yourself, that I see my parents maybe once a year, and I feel like that's enough. I can imagine if I was – and I love my parents, but to be around the same people all the time, you need a little bit of a break, and I, I know that from firsthand experience. Like, it's nice with the difference in job times with m myself and my fiancé where – we're not always constantly around each other, so that's that's a major, I guess, plus. And just the the mindset and your your um, mentality of everything with how you look at things, because if you're just doing the same thing over and over again, it's 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 tough. And I can I, I can only I feel bad for for every like you know you mentioned how your daughters are doing high school. Their first year of high school is on Zoom in their living room. They're supposed to be getting that high school experience as freshmen, and they're doing it home with your wife, who's a teacher, and you. So. I mean, that's a little different than roaming the halls with, you know, you know, boys and girls in the hallway. It's just you and your wife and Spencer uh, all the time, every day. 
Oh, the yeah, the I, I yeah the the only person benefiting from this is uh, is the dog because the dog has people petting him and feeding him all day long. He is the only one benefiting from it. Um, and baseball, getting this sport back and getting it back on the air and getting it back for us uh, is going to be huge because that's the one thing you miss is that baseball is an everyday sport. That's what makes it different from football and basketball and hockey and golf and tennis. Baseball is every day. So as we need a distraction going forward, that distraction can be baseball once again. And the fact that we're playing 162 is just, it's fabulous. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I cannot wait for this season to start. You know, I, I, I appreciate, like, Cody, I appreciate the 60 games. I'm glad we got in. Uh, I'm glad that we worked. But I'm really looking forward to getting back into an everyday situation where we have baseball every single day. So when you turn on A's cast, you turn on 960 AM or 1140 in Sacramento, uh, and you're getting baseball every day. It, I think more than ever, because this thing has prolonged probably longer than we thought. I, I, I think baseball this year is going to mean so much to people to give them something to look forward to on a daily basis. Uh, completely, I, you put it per- perfectly. Um, having baseball back and, Having that consistency throughout the year for us is going to be great. Um, it, it'll be perfect. In a perfect world, we'd love to be back on the field doing what we did and interacting with people in person. That will come. I'm optimistic that that's going to be happening. I don't know if it's going to happen sooner than later, but it might happen later in the year, hopefully. But if not, you know, we'll have it for hopefully for 2022. But just having the show five days a week and having games to talk about and interacting with some of the people we, you know, interact with on a normal basis, like, Mark Gubaza and CJ Nikowski and just all these guys we talk to a lot during the season. I'm really looking forward to uh, getting back in that groove, and I'm excited it's going to be starting here in, well, less than a month, actually. Yeah, it's going it, it, to get here really quick. And right now the A's, where they have a 7-2 lead over the Colorado Rockies as we speak, and yeah. I know some people saying, why isn't the game on? Just to let you know, we're going to be airing home games here on A's cast. And on the weekends will be on 960 AM, but for road games, we are not remember it's all pretty much everything is being dictated by COVID. So you don't want to be traveling your broadcasters for the most part. I know some teams are going to be different, but you know, unless it's a home game, we will not be airing A's baseball. I know there's some people that say, why is the game not on today? Well, it's because it's a road game against the Colorado Rockies. Now, Friday, I haven't even looked at the schedule, but I know Friday is a home game. We'll be on the air, and, Cody, we will be on after the game, correct? Yeah, from 4 to 7. We're playing the Angels on Friday. So I actually have a request in, and they actually said they're going to check with them. We're hoping – it's not promise. We're hoping to maybe talk to Joe Madden before the game that you can hit. Then you'll be able to hear on Ace Cast Live. Really? They said they'd check with Joe and see if he's if he's willing to do it. Usually the Angels are pretty stiff about saying uh, about Joe Madden, but since I said since it's spring training, it might be easier to do it. And they said they're going to check. If not, maybe we'll get gags on. I think he's still on the staff with Joe Madden. So 
uh, that'll be interesting to talk to him. And uh, if you missed the game yesterday, uh, and I was sad because they didn't save any highlights from it on the home broadcast call, but I got to listen to Bob Uecker on the calling A's Brewers yesterday. Talk about a trip because Bob Uecker is incredible, and I love Ken and Vince and Ray, and you know that's I'm, that's who I'm accustomed to listening to a legend like Bob Uecker call games and just talk about tell stories and everything was just so good talking about how he was out uh with his wife picking up food one day and, and he uh he saw someone he, he offered to you know get the keys for the car to drive him home and he called it um luber because the person was intoxicated so he called it luber uh just some of the stuff bob was talking about. it was so good to see hear him on the radio and you know he called mark canna mark Kana, so he kept like overemphasizing his name it was so it was so good to hear bob Uecker on the radio yesterday hey you know and we well, you've talked about it. I mean, it's it's truly one of the most amazing careers as a not great player turned into a total celebrity and a Hall of Famer and the guy that was, you know, basically a comedian on Johnny Carson for so many years. So tomorrow is an off day, and then you'll have baseball back on the air here on A's Cast. 12.05 will be the Angels. And we'll be on from four to seven after that. And getting Joe Madden, you know, he seemed like one hell of a guy. And I'm not rooting for the Angels. I don't like the Angels. But, you know, there, there's, there, there is growing frustration, not only with the Angels, but around Major League Baseball that here you have a talent like Mike Trout and you guys don't win. Now, I don't want them to win, and I'm fine with it. But if you look around baseball, I mean, a lot of people are really talking about this now, Cody, is their their lack of postseason success and the fact that you have the best player in the game. Yeah, and, and, and Trout even acknowledged it, how he hears it all the time, and you know, he's been to the playoffs once. He's never won a game. Uh, swept. Swept by the Royals when they won. I think they went to the World Series that year. They won the following year. Uh, I saw someone post yesterday, Jake Arrieta has as many home runs in the postseason as Mike Trout does. One. <laughs> um, so I thought that was kind of funny. But but Joe Madden has some pretty interesting comments, which I haven't been buying or selling. But I'll, I'll read it to you right now because it's interesting talking about Mike Trout and his greatness. And Madden said, um, this was in a Jason Stark piece on The Athletic, and he was kind of comparing – it was it's it was actually pretty good. He was comparing Mike Trout to Tom Brady and this the difference between them and I, like how great they are. But Brady has all the titles and Trout's number one. But here's what here's what Madden said: Do not get in the way of a player's greatness. I think there's been too much restriction and too much front office interference in baseball in general. There's been too much stuff coming from the top to the field that gets in the way of greatness. So I think my job is to get out of the way of the player and never get in the way of an athlete's greatness. Think about it. When I grew up, it was Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Pete Rose, Bob Gibson, Don Drysdale, Sandy Koufax. There was nobody there to get in the way of their greatness. They were in charge of their own greatness. There was no restriction placed on the athlete based on criteria, based on analytics, information, prejudices, any of that. Let, let's, let great play, let's let players be great, and that's what I'm focused on. So that was from Joe Madden in a piece from Jason Stark on The Athletic. So Madden knows. I mean, he's a smart guy. Uh, one of the best quotes I ever heard from him is when he got introduced to the Angels. He said, "We got a bunch of good, a bunch of good dudes in this front office." I mean, he just is such a he understands the game, and he the players love playing for him. 
I don't I don't know what happened in Chicago. Maybe he just wanted his welcome with Theo. I don't know what happened there. But maybe, maybe they really wanted to bring Rossi in and bat Anthony Rizzo lead off like he did today. But uh, Joe Madden understands it, and he's not going to get away with Mike Trout. It's just you got to get those guys uh, to get him help get him to the postseason, which they haven't been able to do except for that one year. You know, Chicago, who knows what happened there? It just doesn't seem healthy, though. You win a World Series. You get rid of the curse of the goat. The place is on fire. I mean, they're partying. Uh, the, The Cubs have bought a bunch of land around the ballpark and developed it. And, you know, it's Wrigley's far different from the last time I've, I've been there, but then all of a sudden it just fell apart. Your manager's gone. Theo Epstein steps down with a lot of money left on the table. I mean, they've just, and now they're, they're, they're not happy with the players that they have and they, Sound like they want to go into rebuild mode. It's just, I, I don't know what happened there, but it, it's definitely dysfunctional when you have that many quality people bounce and leave. And some of their players do not, they're, some of their still current really good players, Cody, don't sound happy. Something went on there. Something went on that was just like, it, 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 you, you went from winning the World Series, you're going to the playoffs to all of a sudden everybody's like, I want out of here. Yeah, that situation in Chicago is just weird. And there was a good – Mike Petrell, our good friend from MLB.com, did a great article yesterday just talking about how Jed Hoyer is trying to change the whole dynamic of that Cubs lineup by getting rid of guys that are big swing and miss guys like Kyle Schwarber and, you know, the guys at Steven Souza, guys that don't make a lot of contact, but he did bring in, you know, Jock Peterson, who did cut down his strikeout rate tremendously. Uh, and he did a bomb earlier today as well in their spring training games, the Mariners, but they're trying to address the issues that that's plaguing the team. They don't put the ball in play, but they're also trying to change the way their pitching staff is oriented too, because they strike so many guys out. Well, now they've bunch of soft tossing guys in Chicago. You get rid of Darvish and you bring in Kyle Davies to throw who like maxes out at 89 or Darvish is hitting what 95, 96. It's a great piece on MLB.com just breaking it all down. And I, I mean, I don't know what the, I don't know how to project the Cubs as someone that watches the NL central every year. I don't know if they're going to be good or if they're going to be bad because they still have so many good people in their lineup with Bryant and Rizzo and Contreras and Baez and now Jock Peterson and Nico Horner, one of their top prospects, is probably going to make the team. They have Ian Happ. They have so many guys in their offense that could be good, but their pitching staff behind Kyle Hendricks, I really don't know what to think of them because they all throw, let's face it, not very hard. So Chicago is going to be very fascinating to watch this year. We're going to preview them on Friday, actually, so – We'll probably get more into what Chicago's going to look like in 2021. Well, I want to get into kicking it old school and also Scott Emerson. We got some we got some cuts from Emo as he talked today. That's all coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. You know, it was Tom House, the legendary pitching coach that Cody booked. And he said, I have a feeling 
baseball's going to kind of go back to how players used to play. And I'm sure there was a bunch of front office people that if they heard that, they go, no, 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 no. But the article that Cody's referencing is talking about how the Chicago Cubs are going to start trying to play old school baseball. You know, the kind of baseball that, you know, Rossi, your, your good friend Rossi, played early in his career. How many teams are now going to start getting away from just being three true outcomes? Home runs, strikeouts, walks. You know, I know we always joke about Moneyball and essentially, you know, talk about walking and the A's and everything. But at some point, is baseball going to get back to being what the game used to be? More balls put in play, not striking out. I mean, we, we've had players from yesteryear who talked about they were mad if they struck out one time a game. Bip Roberts, I mean, Bip Roberts, if he ever struck out, he was he was so angry with himself. And maybe, just maybe, we're actually finally, Cody, going to actually see that. We're actually going to see that that people start playing the game really the way it was meant to be played. And the game was never meant to strike out a ton. That was not. Now, you got to give, Cody, credit to the pitchers. I mean, now we got, I mean, there's an article today on MLB.com about a prospect hitting 103 miles an hour. I mean, there is something to be said about the the increase in velocity and it's tougher to hit. But punching out three, four times a game and acting like that, that that's no big deal, that's got to stop. Completely agree, even as someone that, you know, I love home runs. But the Cubs last year in Major League Baseball, how many times did they strike out in 2,241 plate appearances? Just, just take a guess. How many times did they strike out in, in 60 games? Yeah. Uh, I have no I, I mean – I don't know. I I couldn't even give you a number. They uh, that'd be 568 times that the team struck out. So they were uh, in their K percentage in the league. If you look at just where they ranked in the league, they were 27th in the league in pr- strikeout percentage. Where they're projected this year with their new lineup, with adding Jock Peterson and trying to make more contact with the ball, 16th is where they're projected to rank, which is a 11. You know, I guess you could say it's 11 point increase or 11 spot increase to where they were last year. Uh, that's not very – I mean, that's good where, you know, last – I couldn't find the A's actual number, the way that Petriello did it. The way he looked up a fan graphs, I couldn't find it the same way he did. But the A's last year struck out – they were 15th in baseball, and they struck out uh, 28, 3.8% of the time. So they struck out 524 times in twenty or two, in 2,201 plate appearances. I couldn't find a projection for this year. But you figure maybe it'll be somewhere around the same because they didn't have Tommy Lestella all of last year and, you know, how his strikeout numbers were. But – the Cubs are trying to change the way they're doing it. And, you know, their pitching staff, like I mentioned earlier, they had the ninth best staff ER, uh, staff K rate at 24.3%. The A's were 15th at 23.4%. So the Cubs this offseason, they, they got rid of Kyle Schwarber, who's a big swing and miss guy, but he did hit a home run today for the Nationals. Jason Kipnis, Steven Souza, Jose Martinez, Billy Hamilton, guys that, you know, they strike out a lot. And they replaced them more with the guys that, you know, like Jock Peterson, who cut down his strikeouts this year. So, um, they're trying to 
put the ball in play, make, make the games more exciting, and win with good defense. The Cubs have one of the best infield defenses in the league with Rizzo and Bryant and Baez, and I think Nico Horner is probably going to be their second baseman. He's a plus defender as a as a prospect. So they, I think last year was the first year they gave out these team awards for like goal, like for defense, and the Cubs won it for their infield. So if they're going to win games and uh, win games with pitching, it's going to happen with uh, putting balls in play. And then on defense, they're going to be able to stop it because they have such a good defense. And they still have Jason Hayward in, in the outfield, who's one of the best outfield defenders there are. So if you're a Cubs fan, maybe have some optimism. Again, I don't know how to project this team because they're so I – don't, I don't, their pitching staff is what scares me because they're, they're so soft tossing. They don't throw hard. But if you're going to focus more on getting outs on the ground – and then this might be a good team. They could be the team to win the look at in the NL Central and not the Cardinals. Well, speaking of building a pitching staff, Scott Emerson spoke earlier today, our pitching coach, and you know how much we love having Emo right here on A's Cast Live. And here is Scott Emerson talking about building a rotation and getting guys ready for 2021. Well, you know, every year, uh, generally the starters will always get one minor league game. And uh, generally, it's kind of like maybe their third outing or their fourth outing so we can build their pitch count a little bit. Uh, this year, you kind of look at the, you know, the guys that we got, the returners that we have, and we got a lot of guys that you, you're, we're all anticipating who the starters are. So it makes it a lot easier earlier to build their pitch count because you're, you're not taking that uh, they have to fight for a job attitude a little bit. You know, you kind of know who our, our rotation is penciled in and uh, so basically they're just getting one more extra type sim game uh, our guys have gone um, three and 40 uh, so their next sim game next turn they'll be about you know four and 50 55 and then once they uh, jump in the rotation around the 11th or the 10th um, then uh, you know we're ready for 55 pitches in in, in real competition against real hitters but they, they've all done a great job of building their pitch count working on certain pitches that they need to be working on you know when you're out in a real game sometimes you don't want to work on a on a on a pitch that's not very good for you because you're, you're worried about you know showing off a little bit and what you can do and get outs but these guys you know they're taking these sim games really seriously and you know Darren Bush, our hitting coach, loves it as well because a lot of guys are getting a lot of at-bats every day, whether it's in a real game or in a sim game. Well, I, I think one thing that we know for sure, and Trevor Rosenthal said this, there's quite a few guys that they, they didn't stop throwing. Right. They only played in 60 games. So, like, I remember when we were preparing for Sean Manaya. I mean, Sean Manaya got 11 starts. Everybody got like 11 or 10 starts. And you can tell that these players took their, you know, this wasn't a regular offseason, that they just kept throwing. You know, normally guys, after a long season, they will say, you know, I'm going to shut it down for a month or two and then start throwing again. I don't think that happened. I, I, I think you're having a lot of guys come into camp truly ready to rock. Like the season, you know, because last year we had spring training that stopped and then it was summer camp, and that messed the pitchers up. I, 
I, I think Cody right now, I, I bet a lot of these guys, if you said, are you ready to go right now today? I bet a lot of the, especially the starters would be like, yeah, I can take the ball, give you a six, seven innings. And that's what you want. I mean, we want to see the guy. Well, that's another thing. We talked about going, bringing back the old school that the Cubs are trying to do. Well, another thing, too, would be great to see pitchers go six or seven innings. Now, everyone knows that I'm a big bullpen guy, and I like to see relievers pitch. But if we could bring back the starting pitcher going at least seven innings and cutting down the uses of your bullpen, that helps you out tremendously. And Emo mentioned how, you know, the talk about um, the starting pitchers, how, you know, the whole thing about working through and, um, the workload they had last year, you know, he, he's not really buying into that. He thinks they should be ready and fresh to go for, for the season. So there's a lot of optimism to have with the A's pitching staff, with their number, you know, the five guys, and who knows what happens with A.J. Puck. Well, I'm still holding out hope that my reliever theory comes true and we can champion that because you heard it here first. But if, if he's a starter, that's tremendous for you. But, you know, I don't know if they're really thinking about doing a six-man rotation. And Emo mentioned that, and we can get to that in a bit. But uh, I think that you're right. I think the guys would be ready to go, and that's why we're kind of seeing these the Cole Irvins and Parker Dunchies pitching the pitching them in the couple early games in spring training, and then these guys will get in later so that we're ramped up for when the regular season starts on April first against Houston. Because we, as we saw earlier today, how how uh, what would the mood be like on this show if say Sean and I was pitching and he fractured his left ring finger like Framber Valdez did today for the Astros? fielding a ground ball that Francisco Lindor hit back to him. The thing would be completely different. So having these younger guys pitch first and then building these guys up later, I think is smart. Uh, and you won't have a little less risk for injury so far. Right now it is seven to four. The athletics on top of the Colorado Rockies playing at the Rockies ballpark. The A's put up three in the first four in the second and you, you you said this. It's in the bottom of the six right now. This is going to be a seven-inning game? Yeah, it's going to be a seven-inning game. I, I just heard about Buddy Reed there. They were asking what's the latest you can call, and I said, oh, 345, you know, we'll make it work. It's our own station. We can go as long as we want. We, it's like Jim Harbaugh, I said. We're the San Francisco 49ers. We can do what we want. Uh, <laughs> Harbaugh Jeff, said it. Uh, That's Bob Melvin's good friend, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Jeff Criswell, actually, the ace second-round pick from last year, friend of the program, is actually pitching in the game right now for the uh, A's in the bottom of the six. So. The Michigan Wolverine? Yeah, pitching against uh, Giants legend, if you remember, Connor Joe. When everyone made a big deal about him. Uh, he's not, he's the guy batting for the Colorado oh. Rockies. Yeah. He made oh. the roster with uh, – who was the guy? Made, it was like him and Joe McCarthy, and everyone's like, who, who are these guys? Farhan strutting these guys out there? I'm like, that's when we, we would play that. Who the are these guys from Major League? Uh, let's hear from Scott Emerson again talking about A.J. Puck. We're just trying to get AJ going. You know, he's going to face some hitters, uh, I believe, Friday. And uh, we'll evaluate how many days rest in between we think he needs. Uh, that's where the communication is going to come in. And AJ will go out there. And, you know, I think it's Friday. We got penciled in to throw. And we'll just build them. Generally, we like to build our pitchers 15 to 20 pitches in between uh, regular outings. We'll just keep building AJ the best we can as we move to spring training, get his feedback after every game and, and after a day rest, we'll see how he's feeling. And, you know, like there's, there's always options, you know, uh, you know, I really can't answer where he's going to be penciled in because we got to watch the guy pitch first, but uh, so far what his work that he's been doing has been awesome. Uh, I'm really impressed at what he's doing. He's very confident. That makes it even better. So, uh, you know, we'll get through Friday and see where we're at on Saturday with him. 
you know, all, all, all reports, including his throwing slash golf partner, Jesus Lazardo, is that AJ's ready to rock. Now, I can't get excited until I see him on the mound, and I, I know he's healthy. But obviously, you're going to baby this guy because of how special he can be. And my God, Cody, if, if, if he's able to have a season where he's helping the team out, whether it's as a starter or your theory as a reliever, I mean, you're just talking about another power arm inside that rotation that is a weapon. I mean, when you're that big and you're left-handed and you throw that hard, whether you're starting or you're relieving, you're an absolute weapon. Again, just ask the uh, Milwaukee Brewers what, how, they're, how they've been doing with Josh Hader. I mean, they've been pretty successful with him as a multi-inning closer, a multi-inning reliever. I'm not saying that's what A.J. Puck's role is going to be this year. Would I be disappointed if it was? Absolutely not. Uh, I would like to see him be a starter. Don't get me wrong. I think that's what you know everyone should want to see him be. But if he does to say they don't feel like he makes a rotation out of spring training, he is a deadly weapon coming out of the bullpen for you who can pitch multiple innings and save save the innings for some of the guys, you know, like a Sergio Romo or Petit who are going to throw more innings down the road for you. And he could be the guy that gets those innings and build up his arm strength. Having him pitch three times a week on two innings each time is, is I think, much better than having maybe pitch one game a week as a starter. So that's just my personal feeling, but I'm glad to hear that, you know, all the reports are, he looks good and he's ready to go. So I guess we'll get more feedback after Friday. Well, actually we'll talk about it on Friday's show. After we hear about how he pitched on Friday. Well, y- you want me to back your theory? Yeah, I, I can, I can use some uh, support on it. Okay. He's never been able to stay healthy as a starter. There's a trend there. And I know they want him to be a starter. I know he wants to be a starter, but trends are real. And this guy hasn't been able to stay healthy. And the one time he has helped the A's, he helped him as a reliever. And if that's got to be where he goes, and that's how he's going to stay healthy, and that's how he's going to – because in the end – It's not about the names on the back of the jersey. It's about the names on the front of the jersey. It's about winning games. You either win or you lose in this business. And if this guy can't help you win as a starter, but he can help you win as a reliever, well, then put him in the damn bullpen. Because all I know at this point, Cody, is A.J. Puck has not helped this team as a starter. And the fact that he's had multiple surgeries, it's just, it's, how do you get this guy? How do you get this guy on the mound? And that's where your your theory might be the right theory, that to get him on the mound, it's not going to be going every five days. I don't know. I mean, how many teams are really going to use a six-man rotation? How will Ray Fossey feel about a six-man rotation? I can think of one team that might use six-man rotation. Tampa. The Rays. The Rays. But, that, I mean, you're right. There's not going to be many teams that use it. I mean, there's some teams that can't even fill a five-man rotation. Remember when the Rockies tried the four-man rotation with Jim Tracy? He's like, yeah, we're just going to throw four guys out there. Yeah, how'd that work out for you, Jim Tracy? You lost 90 games that year. Uh, I, I think that 
you're right. Him not being able to stay healthy is a huge part of this. And if you want to get the most out of him, I think as a reliever, that might be the situation for him. Now, back to Jeff Criswell for a second. He walked the first two batters on nine pitches. He threw one strike. And then Emo wanted to talk to him. First pitch, strike. So looks like let's see if Chris Wall can get out of the inning. Two guys on. Two guys on, no out. Rockies down three in the bottom of the sixth. I wonder how many starters would tell you a six-man rotation would not be good from the standpoint of that's just a whole nother day you're not throwing. Like there is something about routine and feel and feel and your pitches and throwing on throw when you throw on your you know the off days and it is is having that many days off before your next outing just not good for you from a from a standpoint of efficiency here's scott emerson talking about a six man rotation you know i think aj's development will play into it and see where he's at uh, we haven't had any discussions as of now on a six man rotation uh, you know, we've we're, we've you know always thought about five traditional with six guys options. Uh, you know, as you guys know, you know as the season goes on, you're going to need you know ten starters or eight starters. There's always going to be room for starters, so it's always good to have some depth. Uh, that doesn't mean one guy can't be in the bullpen and be a long guy, and then if something happens, just fill the starting rotation. You don't really necessarily have to go down to AAA if you've got a guy in your bullpen that's being stretched out as well. So I, I think, you know, uh, we'll, we'll play it out. Uh, we'll play spring training out. Uh, you know, we got got great front office. They'll, they'll make their determinations on, on what they want to do. And then, but, you know, like you said, Puck's, Puck's availability will play into any decision, whether he starts, whether he relieves, or whether anybody starts or relieves. I would bet he starts at the alternate site. That's where, you know, you, you give him whatever you're going to decide what his role is. You can do it at the alternate site. Make sure that he's raring to go. I, 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 I will be shocked if, if, if he comes to Oakland right out of the gate. I I don't know how I feel about it. I I want to see him here though, but I can I can see. Oh, the, oh yeah. But I can see the point where you're making where you want to see him at the alternate side too because he's. But that but if he gets a pitch against the Giants like Emo mentioned earlier when we played that audio pile at the A's alternate side is in Stockton, it'd be great for him to have competition against guys that aren't his own teammates, which would be great. But I wanted to go back to something you mentioned about how if you're going to a six man rotation, how many guys will have to sit and wait and all that. This goes back to that whole Trevor Bauer wanting to pitch every fourth day discussion that we kind of got into where they broke it down. If you if the fifth starter in your rotation, say say the eight, say Chris Bassett said, I want to pitch every fourth day. Um, as a hypothetical as we go Jim Harbaugh here. He wanted to pitch every four days. Your fifth starter would have 12 starts or more are of having six days of rest. So essentially that ties into having a six-man rotation, how many days they'd have to sit and wait to throw – what if your what if one of your, what if your fifth starter is is on a roll? You know he goes on a Barry Zito like run when Zito won the Cy Young, where he's on a roll and he can't pitch because you know you're using a six man rotation. So it's tricky, and I guess it does come down to what puck what happens with AJ Puck. But again, I still think the best thing for him this year maybe is to start building him out of the bullpen, build the arm strength, then 
start letting him start if you need to have him as like a spot starter and then earn his way into the rotation. I want to get into the Bill, uh, the uh, Ben McDonald story that we have talked about. Where and, and want, want to do it with Ray Fossey. How long is the audio of our man Jim Duquette? It's it's actually it's actually Ben McDonald telling the story. He tells the story oh. uh, to one of the Orioles guys on Masson. So it's like three minutes long. Do we have time before Ray? It's what two twenty? Yeah, we got we got time before Ray comes on. All right, Bill Ben McDonald talking about Cal Ripken Jr. calling his pitches. First full year in the big leagues, and, and Chris Hoyles was a young catcher, and obviously I didn't have a clue what I was doing yet either. When, when Look, when I was on and doing my thing, I could win some ball games through a shutout my very first start. You, you remember that. But there was also a lot of times I went home at night and banged my head on the wall and wondered why I couldn't have success or more consistent success at the big league level. The truth of the matter is I didn't know what I was doing. So finally I'm sitting back with Chris Hoyles after a ball game, and it wasn't a good one for me, and we're just talking about some stuff. And Cal walks by, and he goes, he just kind of sticks his head in. He goes, you guys don't really have a clue what you're doing, do you? And I turned around. I said, well, whatever gave you that impression, just kind of jokingly saying that. And I said, no. I said, I, I don't, Junior. You know, and Hoyles kind of looked at him and like, you know, hey, if you got some advice, we'll be glad. And Junior said, well, I can help you guys out if you want some advice. I was like, who's not going to take advice from Cal Ripken, Junior? Absolutely. So he sat down. He said, this is what we're going to do. And he told Chris Hoyles, he said, I'm going to start calling your pitches from shortstop. I was like, I said, how's that going to work? You know, he said, don't you worry about that. I'll have a sequence with Chris Hoyles and we'll figure this out. He said, now, if you don't like the pitch and you don't like what I'm doing, then you, of course you shake it off and throw whatever you want through. So it wasn't like I had to do it. Right. And so, mm -hmm. but I said, absolutely, let's try this. So it'd be funny. I'd be looking at the ball game. I'm looking in at Chris Hoyles trying to get the sign. I see Hoyles looking right over my right shoulder there's juniors out there at shortstop, the way he held his glove, the way he positioned his glove, maybe where he had his hand at the particular time on his chest was going to be the pitch and the location. Well, this went on for the rest of the season, and I was having success. And the cool thing about it is after every start, me and Cal and Chris would sit down with a couple of uh, adult beverages, and we would talk about, okay, this is why I wanted to throw Paul Molitor this pitch in this situation. This is why we threw Dave Winfield this in this situation and not that situation. So what it did was it sped up my learning curve at the big league level where I could have somebody. Because if you go back to those staffs, there weren't any veteran guys on those staffs. There was a lot of young guys like me, like Pete Harnish and Kurt Schilling and Dave Johnson. A lot of guys, Jeff Bauer, didn't have a Bob Malacky. We didn't have a ton of experience then, you know. And then Rick Sutcliffe came over. The following year, now I had a veteran pitcher that, that I could bounce stuff off of, too. And that also helped speed up my learning curve as well. But Junior was big in me learning hitters, learning situations, and we would sit down and talk about it, you know. And it's, it's always good to talk about it. But, Steve, when you go out and you experience it and you talk about it, the light bulb goes on. Yeah, that's what he was talking about, that situation. That's why he was looking for that pitch in that situation. So, it really helped speed things up for me. And it wasn't because Junior was controlling. It was that he actually wanted to help. And he knew he knew that me and Chris Hoyles needed help. And boy, did we ever. And it, it worked out good. I mean, how would Ray Fossey deal with that? <laughs> or any catcher? Sure, subs calling pitches? We'll find out next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Shamanaya. Shamanaya! 
and you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. Where's our man Ray? I told him we went to break, so he's going to call. He's going to be calling shortly. So I, I don't want to leave. You don't leave Ray Fossey on, on hold. Uh, you, know, you, 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 you leave Ray Fossey on hold. Bad things are going to happen in life. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> and he is here. Are you all right? Can, can we get? Can we? Can we get the man is open and give him his due? <laughs> Wednesday is known as Hump Day for everyone during the work week, but on A's Cast <clears throat> Live, Wednesday means one thing. It's time for 30 uninterrupted minutes with the two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, A's analyst on NBC California, and the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. The man who owned Hall of Fame pitchers, whether it was Nolan Ryan, Don Sutton, he ate Hall of Fame pitchers alive, the great Raymond Fossey. Ray, how are you? I'm doing great, Tommy. Thank you. Oh, by the way, I caught a great Hall of Famer as well in Gaylord Perry. Uh, I'd rather catch him than face him. So, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a thrill. And, of course, uh, the late Catfish Hunter and the great pitching staff at the Athletics, so, some great pitchers that I know I'm facing them in 1972. If I had stayed with the Cleveland Indians, I could not have had enough baseball bats when I faced Vita Blue because – and John Blue Moon Odom, they just saw my bat off. I, I was happy – to be able to catch those guys. But uh, listen, I, I've got a little business to attend to prior to us getting started. All right. You're Ray Fossey. Go ahead. Well, number one, Tana, you're going to have to redo your spot because I think someone told me that in restaurant dining is open up now. Uh, I, 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 I'm only for sure about that in Santa Clara County. I'm not okay. sure in Costa Rica. I, I got to look that up. Okay, but I know that you'll be on top of it, that when the chicken pie shop on Walnut Creek decides to allow people to come into their wonderful restaurant, you will be able to talk about that. Now, the most important thing, and you guys are talking about the games. We're doing home games, and obviously today the game, you know, we, we may have shown up uh, over some home games at our home park in Mesa, so we know we can be there and there's no problem. So, Having said that, next Wednesday, Cody, the master, commander, we have a ball game. So I'm not going to be available at um, 2.30 because I'm going to be in the middle of a game. So what are we going to do? Well, Foss, for you. Sorry, Ray. I don't, I don't want to push buttons. Uh, <laughs> I'll say 4.30 next Wednesday. How's that work? So 5.30 for you. Actually, when does the time change happen? Is it this weekend or next weekend? No, no, not for a couple of weeks. Okay, so, so we, we've got again, yeah, no, not that you're right. The, the weekend of the 14th, I think. So, so that, I know I spur the moment for you, but that's that's the way we're going to handle it. Yeah, we'll we'll do it for that. You'll be our first guest after the game's over, and we come on the air at four o'clock. You'll be our four thirty. You'll be guest. all warmed up, Ray. But you just said you just said five thirty. Well, five thirty for you. Five thirty for you. Four thirty for us. But you come on at four o'clock. Four o'clock. Right? Five o'clock for you. Four four for us. So now I'm on. A, you're saying five. You said five thirty before. Yeah, you'll be on at five thirty your time. Four thirty ours. <laughs> Just get the time change through, and we'll be we'll be completely fine. In your career, when you face pitchers that you caught, 
I mean, obviously, you know these guys up and down. Did you feel like that was an advantage for you? To know the pitchers or the, or the hitters? No. Or so if, you're, if you're facing a guy you played with, right? So you oh, face oh, Gabe Lord or you face Catfish or whoever you face, did you feel like you had an advantage because you no, knew no. them so well? No. And I'll tell you a great story about Catfish Hunter. When Catfish left the A's to go to the Yankees and we faced him for the first time, all the players, we all got together and said, you know, Catfish doesn't like to pitch inside. So, you know, look outside and, you know, Catfish could paint. I mean, he, he was a great control artist and he'd paint the outside part of the plate and smart catcher. I'll put it this way, a catcher, because I don't want to put myself in that category, but, you know, move six inches off the plate. And I know the umpire would say, well, he hit the target, so that's a strike. And so why pitch inside if that's the case? So what happens? Catfish faces the athletics. Campy's up. He's looking outside. Bam, inside. And we're going, what the heck? And Catfish looks in the dugout and goes, be careful, guys. Be careful. And so that really changed it right from the beginning because, you know, we all thought we had Catfish figured out. But Catfish definitely was not going to uh, let us figure him out. But, you know, I, I remember facing Gaylord Perry in the All-Star game in 1970 before I was fortunate to catch him in 72. But if you can believe this, I actually went to the plate at Riverfront Stadium facing Gaylord thinking he's going to throw me that pitch, that specialty pitch, and I'm going to hit it. How stupid was I? Because you can't hit it anyway, even if you're looking for it, because it comes in and then the, I guess, gravity just disappears. And so, uh, but, but I, I, think, I think more than anything, Townie, that a catcher, if he can't hit a certain pitch, that's the pitch he calls when he's behind the plate. It, it makes no difference. Well, and nowadays where there's scattering ports and all that. But, but he, even now, I think there are situations where, uh, let's say Gary Sanchez can't hit a slider to the part of the plate. Then he's going to call sliders because he figures, if I can't hit it, nobody else can hit it. And so I, that's the pitch I'm going to call. But, but I think there's more of that than, than the hitters thinking that, yeah, I know this guy. And, you know, you say about facing him in a batting practice, but, you know, like, like uh, uh, Emo was talking about A.J. Puck facing live hitters. You know, you face a guy, but you never think about being in the opposite dugout and having an idea of what he throws. That's where the scouting report comes in. That's where uh, Adam Roden does a tremendous job as a video coordinator. Darren Bush does a great job telling these guys what, they, what the opposing pitcher throws. And that's kind of what you look for when you go to the plate. But inevitably, you, you, I've seen catchers do that, County, where, where if they can't hit a pitch, they'll call it more times than not. You know, I had a great discussion last night working out with uh, a, a, a guy at our club, and we were talking. He was talking about a video. Uh, you know, certain hitters. You know, they would move around in the box, Ray. They would move That's up, right. they'd move back, they'd move in. They 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 knew what the pitcher was. And now we got these guys in today's baseball that, you know, they just stay in the same spot and keep swinging and missing. And you're like, well, you know, if you've got a guy that, you know, is going to pound you on the outside part of the plate and he's going to put some sink on it, why not move up in the box and get up on the plate? Does today's hitting coaches need to kind of install that into hitters that you don't have to stay in the exact same spot every time and let these pitchers keep exploiting you? But I wanted my hitters to be able to get as far back as possible. And there's not often that an umpire is going to take a bat and measure the distance of which he can stand behind home plate. So that's something that I did. 
But you know, Tony, the important thing is for a catcher to watch the feet of a hitter because that means it's, it's let's say, uh, I remember Manny Ramirez when he faced Barry Zito in, in, a, in a very crucial game for the entire series. He looked for pitch inside. He never got it. Now, if Ramon Hernandez had watched his feet and, and watched him look for that pitch inside, he probably would not have thrown him the fastball that he did, that he had a three-run home run that helped the Red Sox defeat the A's in the division series. Because the time before, the event before this particular time, Manny struck out, his hips, his backside was heading towards the visiting or the home dugout in this case because it was the Coliseum. And so, I mean, I'm in the booth and I'm thinking, he's looking for a pitch inside. So the pitch is outside. He flails at it. He goes back to the dugout striking out. So the next time he comes up with a couple of runners on base, he opens up again. He gets the fastball inside. He gets a three-run home run. Game over. And Ken Korak would say to me, Ray, don't you ever forget those things? I said, no, because that's where it's important for a catcher to look at the feet. You know, you'll see a catcher, and fans can watch games on television because you can see it more distinctly there. You watch the catcher. He's looking up at the hitter's eyes because there are hitters who will cheat, and they'll, they'll cheat where they kind of roll their eyes back. And I remember there was one time a particular Cleveland Indian did that, and I was working in the PR, and I had the TV monitor, and I called the A's dugout, and I told the hitting coach, I said, so-and-so, I won't say who it is, I said, so-and-so's cheating because he's watching out of the corner of his eye what the catcher is doing, location. And from a hitter standpoint, all you need to know is the location. Pitches, great, that's fine. But if you know the location of a particular pitch, then that's going to help you. But, but I think more than anything, if, if you watch the hitter's feet, he'll tell you what he's trying to do. And you don't, you don't have to look at his eyes. I'd look at the feet and see what he's doing. Because who cares about the eyes? Because I'm doing my job behind the plate so he can't look back. Because I, I would set up in the same spot every time. I wouldn't set up in the middle of the plate. If it's a right-handed hitter, I would always split the outside part of the plate left-handed hitter split the outside part of the uh, outside part of the plate to a left-hand hitter. So I didn't have to move. There's too much movement today where you'll see a catcher behind the plate and he gives a sign and then you'll see him move left or right. Well, he's telling what pitch he's called, but if he sets up in one position and doesn't move as a hitter, forget it. You, you can't tell what he's doing or what he called because he is not moving. And that's why, Again, I think catchers at times will tip pitches more than pitchers because of the movement. And I saw one catcher at one time that he would put his hand behind his back with a runner on base with a fastball because he figured the fastball was going to be true and it's going to be around the strike zone. But with a breaking ball, every time with a runner on base, he'd bring the hand around in front and put it behind his glove. So he's tipping the pitches. And, and, and I would sit there and go, well, here comes the curveball. How do you know that? I said, well, you know, I have an idea. And, and so I was watching the catcher calling the pitches that way, not seeing the signs, but just watching what he did with his right hand. And that's, those are the little things that, let's say, a, a catcher can do to hurt his pitcher if a hitter is paying attention. Now, Ray, if a hitter is actually looking back at location or your signs, is it really cheating? Uh, yes, I call for a drill. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, there's no letter to the law that says a hitter can't do that. 
no, he can't do it. Remember Phil Nevin, uh, the exceptional yeah. coaching third for, for the Yankees? Phil Nevin was the first hitter coming out of whatever college he went to Fullerton. that I saw, I saw wearing sunglasses. You think about a, a hitter wearing sunglasses, he can do whatever he wants to with his eyes because you can't see. You can't see his eyes. But if, if I saw a, a hitter, or, or I remember when I was playing for Cleveland way back when I when Reggie and they had that outstanding lineup with the Modesto A's and I was playing for the Reno Silver Sox and Ray Miller, former pitching coach and hit pitcher and manager. And, and we had this 23 in a game that I was catching all of them and uh, Ray's on the mound. <laughs> and he said, he's looking at your sign. And I couldn't hear him. And I yelled, what'd you say? And he yelled, he's looking at your sign. I said, well, knock him down. And he goes, whoa. And Reggie stepped out of the batter's box. No, 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 no. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. But you know what? As a catcher, if you see that happening, all you have to do is just stand up and tell him. Just say, I don't know what you're doing, but your head's moving a lot. Or it's runner, the runner second base is, is doing something out of the ordinary, which means that, you know, you're, you, they're doing something that they're passing signs on to the hitter. But if a hitter looks back, it, it especially – if a hitter, and you know, in, in television, we get close-ups of these uh, of these hitters and their their faces, and you can see instead of the eyes looking at the pitcher, those eyes are going back to the catcher. Well, he's looking for location, and um, you know that that's again maybe the catcher can't see it, or maybe in that case he could see it, but you just simply tell him, I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing some funny funny things. But uh, you know, my pitcher's a little bit wild. I'm going to call a pitch inside. I don't know where it's going to go, so you know, just be careful. You know, <laughs> that stuff, it stops everything. It's amazing what it would do. Speaking of the Modesto A's, one of the first games I ever called in minor league baseball uh, was, was against, I was doing the San Jose Giants, and it was against the Modesto A's. Miguel Tejada was there. They just built the new ballpark. But they, they you think about the history of the A's with Modesto, it's pretty amazing all the guys that played there. What's great about it is that the proximity to the Coliseum. You could play, and and I think one of the best things for a minor league team like the Modesto A's, that's Class A, and I don't know how it's being adjusted now because I think the A's are in Stockton, and that's going to is that going to be High A um, in Stockton? And um, what are they doing for Triple I, I think they got ready. I, Cody, did I don't even think they're. High A anymore. I, I think, think they're. They, I think they're lower than that. I think they're low A, and Lansing is the high A team now. Oh my! Wow, I, I don't think been a lot of changes. But but you know, let's say when the A's, regardless of what classification, the nice thing when they have an off day, the manager can say, "Okay, guys, we're all going to go to the Coliseum to watch the A's big league team play." That's a thrill for those kids to be at A ball, and you talk about incentive to be able to go to the Coliseum and watch the big league team play in a big league park and say, man, this is where I want to be. I want to be here. That's a great, that is, that's the greatest motivation there is to be able to do that. And I, I think that's what makes it nice when you have your minor league teams in close proximity to your major league team, because that does allow those teams to do that. There's other reasons too. You know, when, when the AAA team was in Nashville, it was horrible for Mickey Morbido, the ace director of team travel. If they had to get a, a player to the big leagues, before they had the alternate sites and all those things. I mean, it was it was a problem for him to hurry up and get somebody there. Now, being in Las Vegas, it's, uh, you know, it's a short flight. And call a friend written and say, hey, we need such and such. And who's, who's doing the best? All right, get him here. 
Tell him he's coming to the big leagues. But, you know, Modesto Stockton at California League, which I really enjoyed playing at. Um, it, it was a bus league, but but there were some good times there. And how new is the, how, how new is the park of Modesto? Because I played back in the 60s when it was really old. They used to play Mamas and the Papas every every game before. <laughs> Those are big PA systems. <laughs> it was Monday, Monday. <laughs> it, it, uh, wow, what year was I doing it? It was like 19, uh, probably been around, around 97, 98. Yeah. They built the new ballpark. I mean, they built it and they didn't even have a press box. I had to do the play by play from just down the left field line. Uh, but wow. I, now they built it. I mean, oh, oh, you know, so many of the, the California minor league teams, uh, they're bought, they're not new parks anymore, but they're, they're really, really nice. You know, Ray, I, yeah. we, we, we were talking about earlier and it just, it breaks my heart. I mean, if you think of when the minor league season ended Terrible. in 2019 and yeah. to where we are today, that all these players have lost all this time in their careers is just sad. No, I agree with you, and I agree with what you said also between high school sports, college sports, and, and it's a trickle-down effect. There's, there's no doubt about it. And, and you think last year, and I remember, I think in one of our programs, we talked about the fact that no minor league baseball, and if you're a college baseball coach, and the, what, five rounds of the draft, and you've got players, instead of going out in the draft, coming back to play baseball in college, and so you've already recruited and got a bunch of guys coming in, and man, and so again, trickle down, but from the minor leaguer standpoint, I think that it's the alternate site, while it was great, there were some players there. And again, I think I heard one of your shows, you're talking about, it's, it's not so much of the young players like Soderstrom, who was just drafted last year. That's a chance for him to get, to be around some of the players that maybe are big leaguers or former big leaguers. And uh, but I, I don't know if there was an, ever an opportunity for him to come to the big leagues, but it, it was a great experience for him to be able to play. And but but you start taking away. I thought first and foremost, even f- before the pandemic, you're going to take 42 teams in minor league baseball and eliminate them. Now, there are some who say with the analytics, you can determine when a guy if a guy is going to make it or not. I said, come on, you know, uh, but you, you, you can't you can't put analytics in a guy's heart, in his stomach, and how he performs. You know, and, and he's not going to sign professionally if he doesn't have the tools. And I think at minor league baseball, the scouts who are out there can watch a player and they can determine about how does he run the first base? How does he run on and off the field? You know, what is his attitude when he strikes out with the bases loaded? What does he throw his helmet, throw his bat in the dugout? You know, there's a lot of things that a scout can see from a minor league player standpoint that I think helps them as they advance through the minor league system and get to the big leagues and you start eliminating all that, you're eliminating a lot. And, and I, I don't, I, I don't know how it's going to recover. I hope it does. And I hope we can get back to some normalcy where, uh, you know, you have the minor league teams and players can play and, and play their full seasons. And some get uh, a bonus coming to the big leagues in September and, you know, all those good things that happen to minor league players, but uh, it, it's a big part of baseball. It has to be a big part of baseball. Because if you're going to excel as a major league team, you have to have a good farm system because God forbid something happens to a pitcher or a player and you have to start thinking about who can I trade for? I remember when Buddy Bell managed some of the, you know, it's unfortunate he managed Kansas City, Detroit, and Colorado. And I think when he was managing 
Well, I think it was Detroit, maybe Kansas City, but, you know, they weren't doing anything. And then, to me, that was a sad part about Buddy. He's such a great guy and a great manager, never got a chance to manage a good ball club. But he said, we do not have the resources to go out and buy a player if we have somebody get hurt. That means we have to go to our minor league system, and that's important to build the minor league system to be able to call from those teams to have guys come to the big leagues. But if you have – uh, the resources and, and Roger Clemens, when he was with the Yankees, he said under George Steinbrenner, he says, uh, we don't rebuild, we reload because they had the money to do it because they're in the big market. But that's not true throughout baseball. And I think that's where it has a big effect on some of the teams that are playing. And I still don't believe you and say that teams aren't trying to win. But that's another story. Team, the, the teams <laughs> are trying to win. It's the front offices are not trying to win. <laughs> like, like, hey. How about Major League? How about Major League? Wasn't that a good, I mean, just exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. They wanted to lose. They wanted to lose, but the players just kept winning. You know, and and uh, and uh, what, uh, not Field of Dreams, but uh, what, what was the one? Oh, geez. Um, Roy Hobbs, uh, the natural. Yeah. yeah. You know, the same thing. You know, Pops Pops gets, gets part of the cast itself, part of his club if they lose, and they're, they're trying to get guys to throw the game and lose and all that kind of stuff, but you know, you, I, I agree, you know, that, that maybe teams are trying to, but, you know, you cannot get players to take the field and say, okay, I'm going to miss this ball or I'm going to strike out with the bases loaded because every one of those players, they're playing for the future. And if they're doing things like that, that's not helping them in the future. And, uh, you know, that that's why, and again, I think we had someone on talking about draft choices. I, I've just never been a strong believer in, in a guy playing in high school and college baseball I know my grandsons have wooden bats, and they're 9 and 13. I'm going, wow, that's pretty impressive because, you know, at least they get to swing and take batting practice with wooden bats. But you think, imagine drafting a player out of high school or college and all they've ever used is an aluminum bat and how the ball, like you said, I think last week, ping, the ball comes off the bat. You can't set them up. You can't pitch them inside because they can get hit on the handle. And normally the wooden bat, you break the bat and you get the blooper or an infield ground ball out. With aluminum bat, it's a line drive base hit to the outfield. So those are the things that I, I, I've always felt that Major League Baseball, professional baseball teams should supplement the minor leagues, pay for the bats, the wooden bats, so they get, uh, not the minor leagues, but the colleges, because minor leaguers use wooden bats, but pay for the colleges wooden bats so they have an idea who they're drafting from the, from the player standpoint and really the pitchers as well. because then I think it'd be more true as far as who you're drafting as to whether those players can actually play at the professional level. You, you know, one of, the, one of the more fascinating interviews that we had was former A and former skipper of the uh, Astros, Bo Porter, where yeah. I asked him about it, where he said, yeah, I mean, I'm flying around with, with this group of players and I'm the leader and we're trying to win. And we knew Jeffrey Lunau did not want to win. He wanted all he cared about was draft picks. And I, I mean, yeah. what a tough situation that must be in any sport, whether it's NBA or, or NFL, where you got guys yeah. who are trying, but you know that the front office is not, they're not having it. They're not about that. They're not about you right now. They're about the future. Well, in the case of what the Astros did, it helped them because their scouting department was pretty good to be able to draft Alex Bregman. Um, Carlos Correa, and I think there are about three or four guys they drafted that in the big leagues, and now they got to pay them because they're so good. 
but uh, but but yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a great point. But you know, I think about Jimmy Lefevre when he managed the Seattle Mariners. I think the Mariners were something like 20 years from 1977 uh, without ever having a winning season. Never had a 500 or plus season. They finally got to 500, and everybody's ecstatic. Jimmy Lefevre got fired because the general manager said, "Well, we need somebody to take them to the next step." What? You you just had a manager get you to 500 baseball, let them build on that because the players are confident in the manager and vice versa. And then you bring in somebody else. And I I always thought about that as something that I, I thought was really a disservice to Jimmy Lefevre because he was an outstanding hitting coach, uh, hitting coach. He was he was so much energy and a very very good manager. And I'll never forget that happening. That uh, okay, you did your job. We'll get somebody else to take us next level. And it never happened. And that's why. They're in such a mess now, and and perhaps why they haven't gone to postseason in 2001. Well, Ray, I got to tell you, it's been great hearing you guys do baseball again. I mean, we've missed it, and um, I it, it's like a high school game. You're doing these seven inning games, Ray. Oh my goodness! I, you know, how, how about the I, I'm doing the fourth and fifth, and I and Chad Tender walked on Monday <laughs> against Cincinnati. And I put down walk, and I looked down at first base, and Chad is there. And all of a sudden, he's going to the dugout. I said, well, got a pinch runner. And then I see Cincinnati leaving the field. I went, what? And I said, oh, that's right. That's one of the new rules because the Reds had a pitch warming up in the bullpen. And then the fifth inning, the same thing happened. So as, as Vince Catronio said, I guess Tim Mee with the Hall of Fame is going to call you because your scorebook probably, I think the A's might have been the first team that had a team just walk off. Now, I don't know if Cody said that happened today uh, with the A's maybe or somebody. I don't know. But, but you know, it's just strange rules this spring in baseball. But, uh, you know, like I've always said, and I said last week, that this time of the year, if you have your normal number of players in camp, you have plenty of guys. Now, you were going to ask me about Ben McDonald. Did you decide not to? Yeah, I, I totally forgot. Yeah, what did you think of that Cal Ripken calling his pitches? I had Alvin Dark call every pitch for me in 1970. Every pitch. I got a crick in my neck looking in the dugout. <laughs> but that's a, that's, that's a manager. But I've never heard Don Sutton call his own pitches as a pitcher, but I've never heard of an infielder. But, you know, Cal Ripken was so good. You know, he's a tall shortstop. And, you know, he knew how to position players, hitters. So it's, it's not surprising to me that if Ben McDonald was having a tough time, that Cal would say, okay, throw this pitch, because if, if I'm looking in and you're trying to throw a pitch a certain place, I have no idea. So it's going to be hard for me to play defense behind you. But, you know, I, I think that probably is the first I've ever heard in Major League Baseball where a shortstop – can you imagine being a pitcher and your catcher's looking right through you or over your shoulder <laughs> to an infielder? And, and here's a guy going through all these signs. I, I'm surprised that nobody caught on. Uh, but evidently it, it didn't happen. But, uh, you know, you just wouldn't think about looking at an infielder. They have all these things they go through anyway. And, you know, so if the pitcher's looking at the, at the catcher and the catcher can look out. And remember, let's not forget that a catcher standing up can see every position without turning his head. So in the case of Chris Hoyles, Looking at Ben McDonald, he could look at him, but also be able to see Cal Ripken Jr. over the shoulder of Ben McDonald telling him what to throw. I would have been upset as a catcher. I would have been upset because I took a lot of pride in knowing what my pitcher could do and what the hitter couldn't do. 
And I took a lot of pride in that. So I, I don't know that I would have ever had an infielder. Can you imagine Gaylord Perry <laughs> having an infielder tell him what to throw? <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't think so because Gaylord was the one who told me, Padna, I don't know these American League hitters, so you're going to have to help me out. And that's, you know, 24-game winner, Cy Young Award winner. I'm not saying I did it because he threw the ball, but uh, that was the first thing he said to me besides can you catch it. But that's another story. Anyway, right. it was uh, – I, I just I just can't believe um, – but that's a great story with Ben McDonald. And obviously he talked about it. So you, you can't deny what he was talking about. Ray, you are the best, my friend. Have a, a, a great call this week and we'll talk to you next week. What time, Cody? 530 Mountain. Just, you know, 530. That's all you need to know. 530. Because Cody said we're going at four and you'd be our first guest. Well, that means it's 430 is your first guest, right? So you yeah. guys talk back and forth, banter. Yeah. So we'll talk for a half hour. And hey, then, you know, you, you know, by then they're going to be nine inning games. So heck, we might still be playing. By that time. Well, yeah, that could be true too. <laughs> all right, all right, but, Ray, but, we'll but no, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be over. all right. Take care, guys. Good talk to you. Bye, bye. The great Ray Fossey, the face of the franchise, Buddy Reed is going to be calling us any minute. So we will not be going to a break. As what did did Buddy play today? Yeah, unfortunately he won over three, but he did score a run. So he did score a run. Uh, he's only hitting two fifty nine. A's lost. Yeah, it was a it was Chriswell did not pitch well uh, in that in that. Uh, oh, they gave up inning. six in the sixth. These guys haven't played seven inning games since high school, for God's sakes. Unless it was a double inning or the uh, the double header seven inning games last year, which I th- well, I think we're keeping oh, this year right. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the as we're going to talk to uh, Zach Silver, who covers the Cardinals for MLB.com, the Cardinals played earlier and they played all nine innings. The final score is fourteen to nine. The Cardinals beat the Mets in nine innings. Where's this, where's this dead and ball I've been hearing about? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to track all the home runs from today, but um, it was pretty. The numbers have been pretty high that we're they're talking about dead and balls. Shohei Otani hit a 468-foot home run earlier today, his first of the spring. And uh, the Mariners are in trouble. Uh, Jared uh, Kelnick hit his first home run. It was an opposite field home run. He plays well, and you send him down to the minors, oh, boy. Ooh. <laughs> Everybody's going to be watching that. By the way, I loved seven-inning games in high school. I was the starter and the closer. I was going all seven, and I was not coming out. I love seven inning games. Those were the best. I, it, it, I, you talk about changes that have happened in our game. You know, you just wonder, like, at, at what point are things that are happening now going to change forever? Like, is there going to be a time where the media just gets to hang out in the clubhouse like I mean, the media basically camps in the clubhouse. It is kind of annoying. I never like to be that guy. Where they, everybody just looks around, hey, what's going on? I mean, the players might get used to this and demand that, you know, okay, if you want me, you're going to, you know, like we're going to have Buddy Reed. Um, we're going to do a Zoom call. I mean, beat writers just hanging around and not talking to anybody except the other beat writers, and they're just in the clubhouse constantly. I don't – I mean, things could change. 
I mean, look what the Warriors did. You know, there was such a demand for Steph and Clay, and, you know, when KD was here, and, and they just bring the guys out and do basically like a press conference. I wonder, Cody, how many of the changes that we're seeing, like seven inning games. You wonder how much that is going to change long term. Buddy, are you there? It's Chris Townsend with the A's. How are you? Yes, yes. Hello. I got to think for you, just getting back to playing baseball again has to be really yeah. special for you. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, you know, just getting on the field, being around fans, being around, you know, the other guys that, that weren't at the all-time and things like that. It's, it's a great, great experience, and it's, it's definitely good to be out here. You know, I was talking about it early in the show, and, I mean, whether you're talking about minor league baseball college baseball, uh, sports in general for both boys and girls. For so many people, high school, who have lost over a year of competition, just mm-hmm. how tough has that been for a lot of the guys that I know you're very good friends with? Oh, man, it's been um, really tough. You know, it's been a challenge for a lot of people, not just obviously in baseball, as you know, but just in life. Um, it's, it's definitely tough, and I'm definitely very blessed and fortunate to still have a job. But, um, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's unfortunate and it's just sad how uh, it happened. Um, there's not much really anyone I guess could do. Um, and, I, and I know a, a couple of my buddies uh, who lost jobs. But uh, I guess there's always a positive that can, can come from things, you know what I'm saying? And, and everyone lost a year, but uh, hopefully in, in time we can all come back together as a society and, and, you know, work this out and get rid of the mask and get back to how things uh, used to be. And for the past couple days, just tell us what it's yeah. been like to have fans again in the stands. Oh, I mean, it's it just, you know, it makes the game way better. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. the guys, everyone, you could ask any any player. Uh, there's nothing like playing in front of fans, whether they're heckling you or cheering you on. I mean, it's obviously awesome and cool to have the fans cheer you on when you're either in the field or at the plate. But when you have a fan or a group of fans that are, you know, the doubters or the haters, it's, it's always cool to, um, you know, listen to him, hear him, and, and, and use that uh, use that energy uh, to, to do something. Well, you've gotten out to a great start. And I think coming over from San Diego, when you come yeah. to the A's, this is the land of opportunity. I mean, there, sure. there, there's For been sure. a lot of young players who have gotten to play Major League Baseball with the Oakland Athletics. So when you came to the A's, what, what were your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, pretty much land of opportunity. You know, I, I was obviously fortunate enough to get drafted by the Padres. And, and spend my time there. But obviously coming over, I wanted to just uh, continue to improve my all-around game on both sides of the ball and just have fun, man, to be honest with you. Because there's, there's, there's so many things in life that are taken seriously. There's so much other things that we have to worry about as humans that we come to the field and play a sport. You know what I'm saying? For a living. We're so blessed. So, I mean, I just, you know, I take it for what it is. I, I work my butt off. I, I get information from people. I use it to the best of my ability. And I just want to help. Uh, others and myself and continue to improve and, and take the opportunity and, and hopefully win a job. You know, one, one of the things that I, I think you've probably noticed and we all notice is, you know, the A's have been to the playoffs three straight years. This is yeah. a really good core group. There's a lot of confidence. 
and there's a lot of talk about winning the World Series. What's it been like for you to start your spring training in the clubhouse, knowing that the expectations are to go far in the playoffs? Oh, I mean, every team, obviously, I, I would think it wants to win a World Series, you know, or has the expectation of, of getting 90-plus or 100-plus wins, whatever it may be. But um, the emphasis from day one was uh, we want to win a World Series. We, you know, after being at the all-side and watching the guys come in every day, get their work done, and, and do what they did and make it and reach the playoffs, it was it just is motivation for, for the guys that were at the all-side, the guys that weren't there, everybody that came back. is like what we want to do is get a good core group of guys together and push push the envelope and, and get to the World Series and obviously win. Um for sure. I mean, like I said, I think it's every team's goal. And obviously going how we go about it is, is what's going to get us to um, to that um, World Series championship. When you're out there playing right now, talk to us about this core group and how talented this roster is. Oh, man. I mean, I'm not going to list anyone just because I'm not leaving off any names, but I would say everybody. Everybody has something here in, um, from the pitching side of the ball, catching every position that brings something to the to the table and to the team and with all the talent here um we're still i mean we're only a couple of days in so we're really still people are still finding themselves you know we're getting the cobwebs out some people are a little nervous like i mean for me i was nervous day one you know what i'm saying so it's it's getting back to the routine understanding like who you are what you want to work on what you may need to work on and then going out there and 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 not necessarily thinking about it but having that approach to how can i get this done because at the end of the day spring training of course, you want to see the results. You want to see the home runs, hits, strikeouts, all that stuff. But in reality, you really want to work and hone on one thing, I guess, or sort of like your craft that can get you on the team or whatever the team needs. That's what you should be working on. So, yeah, well, the, talent, the talent here is, is unmatched. Well, obviously, you're very athletic and, and you got great athleticism from your time playing in the SEC through, through the minor leagues. Uh, just talk about how your game and, and, and what you really bring to the roster. Well, I mean, I think I, I bring all five tools, uh, to be quite honest with you. Um, I think speed plays. I have range. I can hit for average. I can hit for power. I can throw the baseball. I can be a um, uh, speed kill, so I could be um, hectic on the bases. But, um, I mean, for me personally, I just like to be humble. I think I, I have, like I said, all five tools, but um, – in any case, I just want to come here and continue to, to show that and continue to prove to myself and to the guys around me that, that uh, I belong. Just because I feel like all the hard work I put in and all the other guys put in, I mean, everybody's coming here for a spot. There's no guarantees. There's no, there's no gifts. Nothing's given to you. So it, it's all about, for me, honestly, hard work, um, continuing to improve every single day, uh, trusting what I'm doing, trusting what I'm doing with the coaches, um, trusting everybody in the staff, you know, the whole organization and, and, and just having my plan and sticking with that, like I said, continuing to help others, help myself, grow as a man, grow as a person, and, and the chips will, will fall into place. Everything will fall into place. Um, but I, I can control what I can control pretty much. You know, let's end on this. Uh, I, I think the yeah. real word, the, the, the word that means the most, most right now is appreciation. I think all mm-hmm. of us, whether you're a player, you're a coach, you're in the front office, us as broadcasters, fans, I think we just all appreciate the game being back, you know, seeing fans in the stands, you guys being in the field. It's just, it, it, it's, it, it's a new feeling. I bet you've never had in your career. I've never had in my career. I just, I'm just thankful. We're just all back. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, uh, you can see it in 
in the fans' faces, our faces. Um, I mean, the energy, even though there's only like, what, 20% capacity and the, um, and the fans are, um, and the fans are uh, like sort of scattered, you can still feel it. I mean, you hear fans heckling us, you hear, you hear uh, just everything. So it's, I mean, it's really cool to have them back. Um, and yeah, I'm so appreciative to have sports back, you know, I mean, being able to watch other sports, being able to, to get away from reality of life and everything that's going on and to, you know, lace up the shoes, go out there and uh, do something at the plate or throw a guy out. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's so good. It's so good to be back. Well, I got to tell you, there's a lot of A's fans who are excited about your start to this spring training. Thank you so much for your time. Be well, be safe. And I can't wait to see you in Oakland. For sure. Thank you so much and stay blessed. Buddy Reed of your Oakland Athletics, uh, really the, the, the hot start and the name everybody's talking about in spring training. But, yeah, Cody, appreciation. I, I think we all have it. I mean, I, I, mean, I can't wait to, to actually go to a baseball game. I can't wait to get out of my house, for God's sakes. Same, because you know, you know what today is, right? Today's Wine Wednesday. So... I'm about to leave See, my- I don't, you know what's crazy? Like, if it wasn't for you and me talking all the time, I, what's the difference between Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? <laughs> they're all the same. Essentially, yeah, they're all the days are all the same. I mean, the only reason I know that there's any difference is because we have a normal workflow going. Um, I feel like the I feel like the days go by so fast, though, and even including the weekends. Like, I feel like every day just goes by so fast. But I'm I'm glad appreciation for what we're doing and, and being able to be on. So that's a major, you know, shout out to Dave Cavill and everyone with the A's for letting us do what we do and provide this content to the fans. So and the appreciation I have for you for just uh, you know, everything we do with this. So, um and now we've got the season coming up, so I, I can't wait. I mean, this is exciting. We got a full hundred and sixty two games they're gonna be looking forward to and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, with especially the talent this A's team has. It's going to be a lot of fun. If, if this would be different if we're, if we're in Detroit talking about, oh, well, hey, well, the Tigers won 60 games this year, I mean, what are we doing? Oh, we're talking about a team God, that quit 90. Imagine. But think of like a guy like Buddy who, you know, you got an expense. So are we going to have 26 or 28 people on the roster? Let me look at start- Wasn't last year we had 28 to start? I yeah. think it's going to be 26 this year, but, I mean, who it's, knows? It is. I mean, it's, it's 26. Um and there will be up to 28 players that will be assigned to AAA or to an alternate training site. This is from back in, looks like February. So 26 is what it's going to be. I think John Morosi had that. Quickly, I want to tell you this. Um, we're going to have Zach Silver on in a few minutes to talk about the Cardinals. And then Eno is going to be at 3.30. So we had a lot of changes in the last 15 minutes happen on the show. Yeah, so. but, but Buddy kind of changed things. But it was great to have him on. And there's there's a good chance he makes the roster. I mean, you, you put a guy like that on the roster, you just got more athletic. You got more athletic with Elvis. I mean, that 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 that's, you know, Ramon Laureano, terrific athlete. Mark Canna, terrific a- athlete. And they're all guys, the, th- the three guys you mentioned at first, Elvis and Buddy, they're, they're base dealers. And, and Ramon Laureano ta- has been talking to Elvis Andrews about wanting to steal more bases, so. Uh, I hope we get to see that. that that'll, be, that'll add a lot more excitement to the game, even though in Moneyball, Billy Bean told, the, uh, told Terrence Long not to steal bases. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that works. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give uh, Zach a call. He's down in Florida, so he was, he's at the, he was at the Cardinals game earlier today. 
Hey, I can't wait to talk to Melvin going, hey, man, you're going to start stealing bases? You're going to start hunting, too? <laughs> oh, God. Stuff that we normally never talked about, right? Especially with the Oakland A's, you never talked about uh, uh, a bunting whatsoever. Zach, how you doing? It's Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, thank you for being on as we go to every camp and we check on every team. But we've been kind of laughing and joking around, you know. Of course, we're the Moneyball team, but a lot of people in baseball, and you tell me how it is in Florida right now with the Grapefruit League, people starting to play old-school baseball. Are we going to actually start to see stolen bases again and bunting and hitting behind runners? Uh, you, you, you just might. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, you know, especially here in Saint, in uh, Jupiter with the cards, I mean, they're a team that preaches the fundamentals. They are, you know, hone in on the little things, on their defense especially, you know, things of that nature. It's not never been much of a home run hitting team here, but, um, you know, bunting guys over, and they were doing that in, in their great free league game the other day. So I wouldn't mind a little renaissance of a small ball. You know, I think about the St. Louis Cardinals, and I think about consistency. 13 consecutive winning seasons. The Cardinals always win. They always make good moves. Uh, What's it like covering this team? Because the expectation every year is to be in the postseason and is to win. Yeah, well, this is actually my first year covering the team, but I can tell you that, you know, from from the get-go, that's kind of just been the sense that I've gotten um, you know, it's a very passionate fan base. It's a fan base that really expects, you know, a winning team every single year. They don't, they don't, they aren't satisfied if it's kind of a, you know, folded in off season. Um, I mean, they were one of the last teams, maybe the last team to make a major league deal this, this off season. And then they go ahead and, and get Adam Wainwright, or sorry, and get Nolan Arenado the very next week, Adam Wainwright, who they re-signed on a major league deal. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a very, it's a very winning tradition and, even when Nolan was introduced as a member of the Cardinals, he said that, um, you know, the Cardinal way is kind of what drew him to to be happy enough to waive his no trade clause and come to a team like St. Louis. Yeah, I got to think, if you're a Cardinal fan, my God, getting Nolan Arenado I, out of nowhere, I mean, what what's the fan base been like once that deal was done? Uh, yeah, I, uh, like I said, my first day was that Nolan trade and I have been told, I've learned a lot about, um, the Cardinal fan base in a few, in, in about, you know, the month that I've been on, on the, on the job. And, um, my, I had a lot of preconceptions about what they were, but I mean, since they've gotten Arenado, I've, I've heard nothing but happy things from the fan base. You know, I know when that, when it comes to July and maybe the team's flogging a little bit, I might get some, uh, some uh, unhappy mentions in, in, on Twitter, but for now, I mean, the, team, the the fan base is absolutely buzzing. They think John Mozeliak is a genius, and it's hard to really argue with that, just given how much they, how little they gave up. I don't want to say how little they gave up because you know Austin Gomber is going to be you know does have the makings of a very good pitcher, um, but you know they, there's just very little downside to this trade right now. Even even if Nolan opts out, and um, I mean it's still just there's just something about. When a player gets to St. Louis, that they, they just appreciate it's such a baseball town. They love playing there. I mean, it's like Albert Pujols is the really the only guy that ever left. You know, speak to that when you look at a Paul Goldschmidt or you look at a Nolan Arenado. That once they put that red on, yeah, I, I doubt he's. I doubt Arenado will opt out of his contract. 
Yeah, I mean, that honestly seems like a formality that he has those opt-outs. I mean, that was just part of the negotiations that had to go on with the players' union and, and everything to, to keep those in there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a similar deal to when Paul Goldschmidt got traded. He got traded, and he was towards the end of his contract, but a lot of what he kind of soaked in when he was in St. Louis in the early onset got him to resign or got him to sign an extension. Um, and, you know, Goldie and Arnado are good buds. They have been on Team USA together. Uh, Arnado is also friends with Matt Carpenter. They used to go on vacation together. Um, so that and also is a way that the Cardinals are kind of, you know, able to envelop these these players and get them to really buy into the organization. They, they go for the player, but they also go for the person. Um, and they get, you know, an, an Arnado who fits in not just as a, as a, a bat in the lineup and a glove in the infield, but a player who kind of fits into their mold. I mean, uh, when, when they first traded for him, John Mazzalek was talking all about how he's a guy who just loves to play wiffle ball in, the, in his downtime. That's, these are the kind of players. So I think they target these kinds of players specifically. Um, but there is also something in the air, in the water in St. Louis, that kind of gets them to, to buy into the system. You know, the Cardinals were, were bit by COVID-19 last year. They are one of the teams... Uh, what's it like in Florida? What's it like at camp? You know, obviously the state of Arizona is different from the state of Florida. So, so what's it like down there in Florida? Um, yeah, I mean, it's like COVID wise or just generally just, about just, the just, atmosphere just, down here. Yeah, I would say covering the team and what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to. I mean, I, I mean, we're never allowed to even be around players, and, and we're not even right. allowed to go to, you know, here for us, we're not even going to spring training. So California has right. been a lot different than a lot of the states. So I'm just wondering, what's it like down in Florida? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a different uh, spring training um, than what, what what's normal. Um, you know, we kind of are allowed to come into the complex uh, once it's, once a day before games, when now the games have started, it's kind of gotten to be a little bit more normal, you know, press area at the ballpark and, uh, but everything's still on zoom. Um, you know, you're talking to the manager and players in the, in the press box with everyone's got their, uh, their um, laptops and their recorders out. So in that sense, it, it is a little strange. Um, and before uh, grapefruit, grapefruit league action started, we were kind of being uh, shepherded into the facility and out of the facility once a day for about an hour at a time. Every team has their own regulations, but it's definitely a different a different way. And teams are adjusting to playing in, under COVID and playing under all these new regulations. And the media is kind of, you know, figuring it out the same way. So it's definitely definitely something we're going to look back on in ten years when this is hopefully all behind us and uh, you know think about it how it's such a novel time. Let's end on this: Is there really any competition in the Central for the St. Louis Cardinals? Yeah, I think the Brewers. I think the Brewers are not to be trifled with. I think they, you know, they have Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, two very good starters, and I think the Cards probably in, in most check boxes, uh, you know, on the on the checklist, the Cards probably out outweigh most of the other teams in that division. But you know, there's also some questions. You have Jack Flaherty, he's supposed to be the ace, but he didn't pitch well last year. He pitched well in, in spurts, but not as a in the year as a whole. And you have Adam Wainwright, who's going to turn 40. And, if those are your number one and two, those are some question marks to have as a rock solid rotation. And, you know, the outfield, we'll see how it kind of pans out. Um, but no current member of the starting outfield is, is projected to be over 26 years old this season. So, you know, I, I, I do think that they are the team to be. And I think the, even before adding Nolan, they probably still were. Um, but that just kind of reinfer- reinforces that. Uh, but I think the Brewers could make a run for sure. I think the Reds, you know, their rotation is a very, very high ceiling. And it, 
is Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo are able to pitch to how they're capable of pitching. Um, and the Cubs, I mean, who knows? They still have Chris Bryant and, and Anthony Rizzo. And if they kind of play to their historical ways and, and how they've shown and not least, not last season, um, they could still make a run. I mean, they traded Darvish and, um, you know, they, they, they haven't really made a lot of moves uh, this off season, but I think, you know, this is their track record and, and their um, history gives them a, a pretty good leg up if their players just kind of play to the level they're capable of. Zach, good stuff. We appreciate the time. Be well and safe down there in Florida. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Zach Silver, who covers the Cardinals for MLB.com. So now we're going to we're going to do Eno at 3.30? That's correct. Uh Eno texted me that he was on a run and he thought we were doing 3.30, so I'm glad we were able to switch it around. Uh, this whole hour is just – the last hour just felt like it's – I don't know, it went a whole different way for me, just going back and forth with everyone and figuring out what times are going to be. But I'm glad we were able to have Buddy read on and Zach was flexible enough to move up for us. So, what, uh, what did Eno have the A's at win total? The article that he wrote, he just looked at the, the – five like in his article, there's five teams that he talked about. His most recent one, it came out seven hours ago about the over-unders. And he looked at, for example, he looked at the Rangers and their over-under in Vegas is 67.5. And and he said, take the over. Um, the Phillies was 80.5. He said, take the over. Uh, the Red Sox, 80.5 over. Cardinals, 86.5 oh. under. And then the Astros are at 87.5. He said, take the over. So, But that was before Framber Valdez got hurt. So I don't know how that really buys into that, but he thinks the Astros are going to basically win over ninety games. I mean, if you say over, they, they can win. They can win eighty-eight or eighty-nine. I know. Yeah, but I know. But, but maybe if you're saying over. You think you're going to go over the over by more than one or two games? Well, I mean, Baseball Prospectus has them at ninety, and uh, Fangraphs has them at uh, eighty-eight. Where Fangraphs has the A's at eighty-three. So uh, I am going to disagree with Eno Saris. We're going to have fans in the stands, and these guys are going to face the wrath for the first time. I don't care if it's just 25%. They, for the first time, are going to be called cheaters to their face all game long. I, I Richard Justice, MLB.com, told us at the end of spring training, right before COVID hit, when there was the break, that these guys look done. And COVID essentially helped them by not having fans in the stands. I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm tired of talking about the roster. These guys, and even these guys who had nothing to do with it, they're going to face the wrath too. I think that's going to play a major part. But Eno Saris, our buddy from The Athletic, will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Eduardo Perez from ESPN and MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM. And when I'm in the Bay Area, I make sure I listen to Ace Cast Live. That's what I'm talking about. So I'm looking at Eno's article. He thinks the A's are the under. Really? And he's got the Astros and the O. We are going to disagree with Eno Saris from 
I, the athletic. I think what Vegas has the A's at 87 and a half, but I think I read on ESPN that William Hill has their over under up to 80, 88 and a half or something like that. So jumped like two wins. So. And now if you're a gambler, it's always a good bet because your bet is lasting for six months. I mean, that's essentially when you put it out there and you're betting the over and under. Uh, Eno, how are you? It's been a while. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you. Good to hear from you. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it's it, it's been so odd, you know, that you know people that used to see each other all the time, we haven't seen each other in over a year. It's just I can't I can't wait to get out to the ballpark and, and have baseball and our lives return to normal. Yeah, I actually I saw uh, Dallas and Vince once last year. And it was because I had gone the wrong direction and was in the press box and was not supposed to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so you were delving into the over and unders. Why, why, why do you think the A's are an under? Well, I didn't, I didn't pick them as an under. Uh, they were just, uh, that's what the projections uh, were saying. The projections are lower on them than, uh, than Vegas, I think. And um, I don't know. I, I, I would figure it's losing... Liam losing Marcus, um, and uh, they think that the ins are less than the outs. Um, I, I don't know exactly what it is. I, I can tell you why they would outperform their projections. If they do, it's got to be because of young people stepping up. Uh, so it's got to be, you know, if somebody like Nick Allen steps forward um, or Sean Murphy, I think, has a lot left uh, in him in terms of improvement. Matt Olson can bounce back. Uh, there's some, there's definitely things that can go, that can happen in the positive direction. You know, I'm not allowed to gamble uh, on baseball, but if I was, I'm going the under on the Astros. I think for the first time, you know, they're going to have to finally, even though it's only 25%, they're for the first time going to in their face be called cheaters. And we know for a fact that those guys were down They were having troubles with it last spring training right before COVID shut everything down. I I just think for the first time, and even, you know, these other Astros who had nothing to do with it, they're going to have to face it too. I just, I don't know. Tell me how, I I know I think you have them as the over, but uh, for the first time, they're going to have to answer. They're going to have to answer the questions and they're going to have to answer the fans. How do you feel they, how do you think they deal with it? That's uh, really interesting uh, to, to, to kind of think back to, pre-COVID, it's kind of hard, but I do remember they were getting beamed uh, in spring training. They were having to answer questions from the media before and after games about it. Um, they were sniping between the Dodgers and the Astros. Um, you know, it was definitely something that took up their energy, and that's energy that's not spent thinking about the game and getting better at the game. The reason I took them as an over was because what you're talking about, the, the new players, the, the young rotation that has come up uh, you know, since since 2017, they're all new um, in terms of Arquiti and uh, Fran Bervaldes and uh, Christian Javier. Those guys, they're, they're new to all of this. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know how it will affect them. They'll probably just say, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Correa's still there. Bregman's still there. Brantley's still there. Uh, and you're right. They're going to have to deal with uh, more media about this and uh, more fans, particularly. It's going to be it's going to be draining on them. I hadn't necessarily thought about it in that context. Well, you, you did an article, which, you know, everybody's kind of been talking about. 
and it's what pitchers are doing with the baseball. And you open up this article, and your first line is, your favorite pitcher is probably cheating. <laughs> so tell me, what are all these – what are they actually doing to get better grip on the baseball? Well, at this point, you know, it used to be pine tar, and that's been in the game forever. Um, but, um, you know, now that we have these Rapsodo machines, these, you know, these editronic video cameras, all this uh, tech, uh, pitchers are finding out that they can find their own mixture that works with their hand and their pitches best because they can put some goop on their hand, throw it, check the track man, see how many, how many RPM they got on the ball and see what kind of movement they got. And so what you're finding is, um, and I know this for a fact about, you know, some of the like most recent Cy Young, some of the best pitchers in the game have their own proprietary blend where they're boiling down Coca-Cola and they're taking you know, hairspray or, or, or gel, and, and they're throwing that in there. Then they're putting some pine tar in, and they're, they're boiling it all down. In fact, the only, you know, baseball said, we're going to crack down on this, and the only person they busted was a clubby in the Angels clubhouse that um, had, a, had a good blend that everybody knew about. And when they came to town, he would sell them, uh, you know, his proprietary blend. Uh, and, and, you know, he'd been, he'd been developing that over years. So baseball tried to crack down on this, and they caught one clubby, and that's it. And uh, but but by my sources, 75 to 80 percent plus are, are have something on their fingers. And the guys who don't have something on their fingers are low spin guys trying to throw sinkers. They don't want to have uh, pine tar on their fingers. Well, th- this really bothers me, and, and I'll get to it in a minute. But I- I'll tell you, wink, wink. Uh, I've also heard that bullfrog sunscreen is pretty good. And, and that's why – that's a really good one because that's why we can't crack down on it. It's against the rules, but if somebody just has a bunch of sunscreen on, what are you going to do? Unless it's the dome, you're going to be like, that's too much sunscreen? Like, you can't <laughs> – and sunscreen plus rosin, is, is that's, the, that's the ticket. You've already given them rosin. So, um, you know, it is something where you could say, okay, not a big deal, been around forever, I don't care that it actually gives – pitchers on the order of 200 RPM uh, when they use it. It gives them movement. Uh, it gives them uh, crazier breaking balls. But let's say it's been the game forever. It's bullfrog. I can't do anything about it. Uh, the problem is it's a rule on the, on the books. And that means that at any moment, a, a manager could decide this game is so big. Game, World Series, Game 7. I don't care what the ramifications are. I don't care if they beat me next spring, bring all my players next spring. I want to win this game. I'm going to get their ace out because I, I know he's got pine tar on. Well, what bugs me about this, you know, is the fact that hitters can have batting gloves. Hitters can have pine tar on their bat. Hitters can have armor on their elbows, on their ankles. I, why can't pitchers use pine tar? Because there's some hitters will tell you, if a guy's up there throwing 100 miles an hour, I want him to have better control. That makes me safer in the box. I don't understand why this is so illegal. Hitters can use it, but pitchers can't. I, I just think that's weak. Uh, that, that's interesting. Uh, the one thing I would say is hit by pitches across the league are at an all-time high in the history of baseball. Really? So if they're all using yeah, they're all using this to not hit pitch, hitters, that's not working. Um, but uh, they're also throwing high in the zone. 
uh, more than they have maybe at least recently. And so maybe high in the zone, they're hitting more elbows. Maybe it's actually, maybe they're hitting more batters because they have body armor on and they're pitching high in the zone and the hitters are crowding the plate. So it's actually, it's not super easy to tease this all out. But I would say this. Um, I, I, I had driveline, check this out. They sprayed bats with pine tar because some people were spraying bats with pine tar looking to, you know, get an advantage. It didn't really do anything. Uh, pine tar on the handle helps your grip, but it doesn't help you hit the ball farther. Um, what pine tar for pitchers does, it helps them spin the ball more, which changes movement. So it's helping them be better. It's not just, it's not just uh, body armor or, or grip or whatever. It's helping them be better. It's, it's, it's cheating. You know, it's, 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 you know, one of the people I quoted in my piece said it's better than steroids. It, 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 I, I did some research and it, it changed Michael Pineda's fastball into Trevor Bauer's fastball. If, if you just gave a guy, if you just gave a guy a grip. You, you know, it was, I guess it was a couple of years ago. I remember reading an article that they were going to try a tackier ball down in the minor leagues. Do you remember that? And whatever happened to that? Yeah, they have been trying that. They have been trying it and the players hate it. <laughs> I mean, they, they've tried it in the Indy League, um, and the Indy League players said that uh, it didn't go as far. It didn't have a, you know, it wasn't as, as juiced as like the Major League ball. And so I think, I think that's actually the major problem is that, you know, I reported uh, with Ken Rosenthal this spring that baseball has decided to deaden the ball. Yeah. Now we're talking about, you know, four or five times in the last five years the ball has changed. If they change it again to something tacky and it totally – you know, takes all the homers out of the game, we could have a real crisis on our hands. So I think that they are trying different solutions. My guess is they're going to they're gonna approve something. Um, like, you know, I don't know, if you, if you play softball, there's an approved substance in, in, in competitive softball um, that's just basically pine tar grip. Um, and they're going to approve it. And once they approve it, then people will have all sorts of grips. They won't only have the approved substance, but it'll just basically be saying, Okay, fine. We give up. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, the baseball to me is a fascinating thing because we, in other sports, we don't question the basketball or the puck in hockey. <laughs> right, uh, only, yeah. only, only, only Tom Brady and deflated footballs, and we know what a mess that was. I mean, the fact that we don't know what the ball is in Major League Baseball, is it a juice ball, is it a smaller ball, are the seams different? We're now going to make the ball not go as far. It's just crazy that we talk about this equipment when, when you think, like, how hard is it to make baseballs? I, it's crazy. And you know what's even crazier? Baseball owns Rawlings. Yeah. <laughs> baseball owns the company that makes the balls. In our reporting, at some point they said that baseball, that Rawlings came to them with a new way to, to manufacture the ball. And they had to tell Rawlings, don't put those into games until we test it. Well, that's kind of crazy to me. Aren't you Rawlings? <laughs> you know, you're telling yourself not to use them. So um, all of it is a little bit weird, but the, the upshot is they're making a few small changes. And when, when I tell you that it's going to go one foot less far, one to two feet less far on a 375 foot homer, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but it might reduce homers about 5% this year. Okay, then, then here's an honest question. We're seeing balls fly out of the ballpark already in spring training. We know the lighter air in Arizona. That's how it works. Are we using 
the new ball or are we still I, using the juice ball? What are they using in spring training? I don't know, man. I, I've been trying to I've been trying to get a, a straight answer. But as far as I can tell, the, the new ball has been approved for what's called the championship season. And my understanding is that's the regular season. So this spring, I think they're going through all the leftover balls that they had before because during a season, they, they make a lot of balls. Like for the postseason, they make a lot of balls for every team that could make the postseason. And then the ones that don't go far or don't make the postseason, they have extra balls. So I, I think that they're going through 2020 balls right now. And when 2021 season officially starts, that's when we'll get the new ball, which is crazy, too, because that means pitchers are going to have on opening day be like, what is this? What is this ball? Well, we 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 had pitchers tell us, you know, that this the baseball is different. Like these guys they throw, think it is already. They, yeah, they, they 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 the last couple of years, they would look at you and go, this ball is different. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys do for a living. And it's just it's crazy that we're having this conversation. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely changing, and you know, baseball's official line was always, "Oh, it's just changing within the specifications. It's just Rawlings trying to optimize to be more efficient and blah blah blah." Even this time, they told us this is to to be efficient. However, they admitted they're deadening the ball. They could be efficient around any mean. They could decide we want the ball to look like this and to be efficient around that. Uh, but they decided they wanted to deaden the ball. So I think it'll be a little bit like 2017. Um, not quite like 2019 when we broke all the home run records. So uh, a little bit, little bit better than the last couple of years, but not like 2014. Well, I just wonder, you know, Cody and I always bring it up when Max Muncy in the playoffs a couple of years ago thought he got one, and then the outfielder standing there at the warning track. I wonder how many times we're going to see that if the ball is deadened at the start of this season. Guys think they got a home run. And they're going into that trot, and there's the outfielder standing there at the wall catching the ball. Yeah, if anybody wants to, like, be ready for it, I would look for opposite field. Because, you know, when you, when you yank one, you, when you pull a homer, you usually get more distance on it. But those, you used to get those opposite fields, you know, oh, that's a can of corn. And then, oh, man, it just kept going. So I think, I think uh, the opposite field, uh, that's where you're going to see the balls fall short. All right, I always have to ask you about beer. Uh, we're heading into spring. What's in the fridge for you now? Well, I've got. Uh, I'm working on a collaboration with a brewery. It's going to be fun. Uh, a baseball themed uh, beer, and it's going to be. Uh, uh, I think it's probably going to be like a four to five percent alcohol. That's that's for me. Uh, that's the wheelhouse. That's spring. That's summer. That's I can have two or three of these and still function. You know, that's uh, that's where I'm looking. I, Cellar Maker makes uh, some hazy pale ales that are sort of 4 to 5%. Uh, there's a beer called Easy Jack that's uh, uh, from Firestone Walker. Those are those are the beers of spring and summer to me. Yeah, I like how you do that. You switch it up throughout the year and the seasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've just, just finished all the stouts in my fridge. It's, winter is done. Well, you know, truly one of the best things you've ever bought was your beer fridge. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah hey it's always great talking to you we miss seeing you hopefully we'll be able to see you at the ballpark at some point soon but uh be well and be safe my friend yes yes thanks for having me Eno saris of the athletic we still to this day have no idea what ball we're using
Are we using the juice ball? When are we going to have the dead and ball? Why do we have to keep talking about the ball? But it's the most important piece of equipment. Cody, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, sorry. I, I just got the uh, the heartbreaking news from the, the Angels that Joe Madden cannot join us on Friday. So. That's he, a, he's busy. That's a bummer. Yeah, I don't know. Then I asked I asked for Gags, and apparently Gags is doing the same thing that uh, Ryan Christensen does. He schedules all the workouts and everything for the team, so he's extremely busy. So, I guess where's we'll have to, Trout? Guess uh, good luck. Uh, I guess we'll have, you know we'll have to try for then. Might need to get Gooby on because guess who's pitching Friday against the A's for the Angels? Shohei Otani. Really? Otani making his spring debut on the mound. I know he's They're going to wheel him out early, huh? Uh, he's probably going to pitch like one inning. But still, we'll have to have Gubaza uh, on after maybe to recap Shohei, uh, Shohei and see if he is the real deal this year. Should Shohei Otani be the closer? Oh, that's not bad. I never thought about that. Huh. That allows him to hit every game. It's basically what Mark Kotze did in college. You hit in the middle of the order every game, and now you just come in. I mean, he literally could warm up. I mean, a, a reliever only needs a few pitches to get loose. Huh. He could start playing catch. Well, he's, I mean, if he's DHing, he can go down and start warming up. I would, that's actually the, the first thought that popped in my mind is so he can bat one inning and then bat in the eighth and then go warm up. Uh, if he get, you know, say he doesn't get on base, he can go warm up and then be ready to go. I'd like to see that. I, that's actually not a bad idea to see him as a closer. I don't think the Angels would ever do that because they're paying him all that. Well, they're not paying him that much, but they're paying him they're to be a starter. Anything. He barely makes anything. But you but you have a guy. I mean, apparently in his uh, most recent bullpen session, he was hitting triple digits, I heard. So I guess his, his uh, velo is back up again where, you know, earlier in the spring we heard, Oh, he's only hitting about 90. Well, I don't think that's really an issue right now. So him getting – according to MLB.com on the app, it says Shohei Otani will start against the A's. And uh, the A's starter that day is some guy named TBD, so we'll find out who it is. It's probably going to be another one of the – you know, might be um, another guy that's not one of the main guys in the A's rotation. But Otani pitching in the game after today where he hit a 468-foot home run, uh, it's going to be cool to see him back on the mound because, remember, we saw him last year at the Coliseum um, – Struggling would be the word uh, that we could throw around to put it nicely in his debut last year. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what he does. He's like probably the biggest key for the Angels this year for how far they can go. Well, you, you know what I say about the best ability is, right? Availability. I just hope that I want to. I like. I like the idea we had of him. Uh, hitting in the home run derby and then playing in the All Star game, so that would be awesome to see. But that's just me. It's like if, if if this guy. By the way, you're freezing up a little bit. Oh yeah, you were you were froze. You were gone on my screen, but wasn't again. Do you hear me? Do you is see me now? Me freeze? Is it is it me freezing or you freezing? It's you because we're still we're still good on my end. It was you that that stops. Oh, just right. earlier with Fossey, that was my end where Google froze. It wasn't the computer. It was just go- this this room froze on me. So, I I rather like a Shohei Otani. If this guy can't stay healthy as a starter, why not use this great arm late in games? 
But he's got he's got to be in the lineup. This whole he's not hitting the day before and the day of pitching and the next that's all ridiculous. Guy's got to be in the lineup. Let's go. It's unbelievable. I think another guy too for them. I say Otani. I think Otani is, but I think they need something, anything out of Justin Upton this year. That's another guy they need to figure something out about as we look at the Angels going forward in 2021. They they need something out of Justin Upton this year if they want to get Mike Trout into the postseason for only the second time in his career, entering year 10. My uh, my guy Billy Epler has quite a few bad contracts on his record, and the Upton one. That one's not right, you never know. I mean, if he comes back and it's a ton of bombs, okay, but. guess it depends on the baseball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that you know, I, I know Eno disagreed with me, but I, why can hitters use all this stuff and pitchers can't? If I'm using a substance to get a better grip on the ball, the hitter's using a substance to get a better grip on the bat. Why do they get to use it and pitchers don't? It's true. And I remember reading that article. It was a really good article. I, I, I don't understand the hypocrisy of that that sort of stuff. And then the whole ball debate. And the, can we just make a decision on what baseball we're going to use? Are we going to see a lot of home runs or are we not? Because you told me we're not going to see home runs. And, I mean, Jared Kalenic's hitting opposite – or Jared Kelnick is hitting oppo taco home runs in spring training. So, I, I, I don't know what to expect from, from the ball anymore. I'm still here. Don't worry. You were from, you were moving, and then you stopped on my end. Yeah. <laughs> Something's going on with my computer. All right. Um, Are you ready for a little – let me do it for you. Are you ready for a little buying or selling? You want me to get out real quick and come back? Um, you could try that, sure. And I'll All stall right, I'll for – I'll be back in one moment. Okay. But yeah, just talking about the Angels still um, – it all to me, it's Otani, and then it's their starting. Their starting pitching is another one too. So, all right, how's that? Should be good. All right, let's. There's one buying or selling I really want to get to with you. That's pretty interesting. All right, let's do it. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. So last night I texted you about it. Last night I was watching the channel Stadium. Now Stadium. They have, like, Jeff Goodman and uh, Sham Sharania for basketball. Like, that's for their big um, basketball insiders. But for baseball, they have Danny Graves, a former major league closer, and I think he does Reds, Radio, Reds Radio now. But they also were talking um, with Steve Phillips, who's also an analyst on there. And on their show Inside Baseball, they were discussing a segment called Trade Him or Sign Him, and they talked about thirty or sorry, 29-year-old Chris Bryant. And I pulled a piece of the audio. Here's what Steve Phillips had to say about Chris Bryant and what the Cubs should do. So here's the thing. I want to see him get paid, but I've got a process that I want to go through. So I think they keep them. They go to the trade deadline, and if they're not in it, then it's trade, and then you pay him. You paid him on the back end. You re-sign him. You do the reverse of Waldis Chapman. You gave up Glaber Torres to get Chapman, and then Chapman signed back with the Yankees. So why not try that out? If you're not in it, trade Bryant. And then pay Bryant and bring him back. And you got the prospect and Bryant back in the organization and a chance to win moving forward. So buying or selling the Chicago Cubs 
should do the reverse of Rodas Chapman. What the hell is he talking about? He's already not. He already doesn't like you. You think he's going <laughs> to resign? He's a he's a Vegas guy who went to college in San Diego. He leaves. He's gone. He's not coming back. But I think what you're just telling me is that he's a Vegas guy and he went college to San Diego. I guess that means he's sl- signing in Slam Diego then. Oh, I think he signs with the Dodgers. Ooh, thirty-year-old second base, or he'll be thirty this year. So thirty-year-old third baseman Turner. I think Turner's year deal's two years. Oh, Turner, Turner's what? Thirty-six. But he got. I think he signed a two-year deal though. So what are you gonna do with him? Trade him? You got so much money, you can do whatever the heck you want. Well, what are you gonna do? Buy him out? This isn't the NFL. He's he's gonna be thirty-seven in November. Yeah, but I think he signed like a two-year. Be able to come back. He's still a good hitter. I don't know how he's going to be on the, on, in the field, but he's still a good hitter. So you have that going for him. But I love it. I actually wouldn't mind seeing Bryant play third base. Bryant, Lux, Seeger, Muncy in the infield, and then Bellinger, Betts, and. All right, let's. How long did he sign? How long did he sign? Was, I think it was two years, like a couple, a couple weeks ago. They don't have the the years on the deal. Let me see, Justin. I'll, I'll just Google Justin Turner deal. I thought it was two but, years. Hey, uh, uh, he's not making that much loot. Wait, is this is this true? This can't be right. There's no way. They signed him to a two year deal worth thirty four million dollars. When was this? When was this article written? That can't be right. They gave him that much money. Wow. Well, you know, the thing, too, that they've talked about is moving him to second base. Yeah, but then what do you do with Gavin Lux? Well, maybe Gavin Lux isn't as great as everybody says he's going to (laughs) be. It's a two-year deal for $34 million plus a club option that could bring the total contract to $48 million over three years. He's 36 years old. We were just talking about veteran guys getting contracts. And here he is getting this kind of money at 36. Just getting back to the question, I think there's not one chance that if you <laughs> trade Chris Bryant that he would re-sign with the Cubs. The guy the guy was in a battle with you for years. How, how long did it take to get the whole manipulating his service time how long did that whole thing take? That took a couple years. Yeah, they just settled it. He, they just settled yeah, it this offseason. Yeah, you think he's cool with the with, with the Cubs? I think there's no I I think there's no chance. I don't think he stays there anyway, let alone trade him and then bring sign him. No. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think so either. Right, I got one more piece of audio to play and then that'll be it. So I'm gonna play this. This is Zach Granke talking to uh the media the other day, but let me just set it up. Granke is a very accomplished major league pitcher. He has 208 wins, 2,689 strikeouts, a 337 career ERA, and he's won a Cy Young, and he's been an all-star six times. He's 311 Ks away from 3,000 and 12 wins away from passing Hall of Famers. John Smoltz, Pedro Martinez, and Don Drysdale. Well, there's one thing Granke's looking forward to that he wants to do more than anything, and here's what it is. The only milestone I pay attention to is I wanted to get 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases. And then I got traded to the American League, made it way harder for that to happen. And uh, 
then I got caught stealing for the first time ever when I was in Houston because I was so wanted to steal so bad because I knew it might be my last chance to get 10 stolen bases and then I got caught because I was I wanted it too much. So currently Granke has nine career home runs and nine career stolen bases. So his last steal was in 2019 for the D-backs. He also had three homers and 48 at-bats for Arizona that season, including two in one game. That's a homer per 16 at-bats. That's pretty outstanding for a pitcher if you think about it. Buying or selling, Zach Granke will get 10 steals and 10 home runs in his career. And he's on nine in both? I believe it's nine on both. I'll, I'll double check. Oh, I'm buying. I mean, he's got interleague play. Yeah, and now we have a full season. There's going to be interleague play. Uh, I want to see him do it. He's a great athlete. You don't think so when you look at him. And he's 37 years old. He'll be 38 in 38 in October. So the season will be winding down for him. But that's really I – mean, he always gives good answers for everything. When he did, said he didn't care about no hitters and all that. Yeah, he has nine home runs and nine career steals. That's correct. <laughs> that's so great. I'm rooting, I'm rooting for him. That, that's great. Yeah. And he, now we can watch it and be like, all right, that's number 10. He you have 10 dingers and 10 stolen bases. The fact that he got thrown out <laughs> as a pitcher <laughs> – He's been caught that stealing. Awesome. He's only been caught stealing once in his career. It was that. It was that time. Hey, can you imagine? Was it was it AJ Hinch at the time? Was the manager when he got thrown out? The would have, yeah, it would have been AJ Hinch because that was his last year. Imagine AJ Hinch looking out, going, "What are you? What are you doing?" Or what if Hinch gave him the green the green light, and told him to steal? He's like Ricky. He's got the green light. Yeah, I mean that. Hey. You know, you know who's a pitcher that has double-digit stolen bases in his career? That'd be Greg Maddox. He has 11 career steals, and he's been thrown out three times on the base pass. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good stuff. That's something we could dive into one day. The the pitching leaders and stolen bases in their career. Just the great well, athletes. I mean, back in the day, everybody hit. So, I mean, Vita Blue, isn't Vita Blue still the, the last switch hitter to win the MVP in the American League? I mean, switch hitter, he, that might be right, yeah. Because you think about it, I mean, he won the MVP. He's a switch hitter. They hit back then. There was no DH yet. I think he's the last switch hitter in the American League to win the MVP. Uh, we have to ask Foss about this next time. Sorry, Ray. Uh, Ray, in his career, has 15 stolen bases. Buying or selling, Zach Greinke will pass Ray Fossey in career stolen bases. Selling, you can't. You can't. <laughs> That's so great, though. I didn't because I, I was going through Ray's career, and you look, and his last stolen base appear uh, happened in 1976 with the Indians. But I mean, it, with this time with the A's, he stole a grand total of three bases. But he wasn't known as a base stealer. So I bet you like that with Zach Granke. I'm, I, I'm rooting for him. I'm a Granke guy. Um, I think I think him getting the, those milestones locks up his Hall of Fame case. Don't worry about three thousand strikeouts. It's the ten home runs, ten stolen bases. So I'm looking down the MVP list. I don't see any switch hitters above Vita Blue. It, it Unless is. I got something wrong here. I think I think Vita is the last switch hitter to win the MVP in the American League. Yeah, if you type in who was, if you type in that question. It brings up a baseball reference thing, and it says the trivia question, who was the last switch hitter to win the uh, MVP, and it, it is Vida. Because Chipper never won an MVP, right? I don't think so. 
Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he won an MVP, but that was in the National League. Oh, oh, so you're talking about the American in League. In the American oh, League. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And not a lot of switch hitters have won MVPs. So, Ken Caminetti won an MVP in 96, but that's National League. I'm not seeing any American League guy. A-Rod, Pedroia, Maurer, Josh Hamilton was not. Verlander's not. Verlander. Altuve, Mookie Betts, Trout, Abreu. Yeah, I think that holds true. Vita Blue is the last American League player to win uh, the MVP and was a switch hitter. And Vita hit. I mean, that's that's the reality. DH wasn't in yet. Yeah, there's there. You're right. There, when the last one probably before Vita was probably was it Mickey Mantle. What do we have going on Friday? Uh, well, so far, well, since uh, we got shut down on Joe Madden. Uh, we got Roxy so far, but you know I'll keep working and getting some people. I'll probably get uh, Gooby on, so I'll have Mark Gooby's out to talk about the Angels and baseball overall. Uh, I've requested for some A's players. We'll see. Maybe Bob Melvin, if Bob, uh, if, if you and Bob are still friends. Yeah, well, I I think we will have Bob on Friday. <laughs> uh, I do have good programming uh, news for you from Monday. We are going to talk to the president of baseball, whatever is I think he's president of baseball ops. He's just the president of the Mets. The great Sandy Alderson will be on with us on Monday. Sandy. Sandy's got uh, Sandy's stories are amazing, man. He blew our he blew our mind down in San Diego at the winter meetings when he came on with us. He was just these stories. I mean, he built one of the most successful and rock star type teams of all time in the A's of the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, truly amazing. Remember, he talked about using Baseball America, the magazine, <laughs> for figuring out prospects that he was going to trade for. You're yeah. like, what? Yeah, not scouts, cool. not data. Baseball. I mean, Baseball America. Sandy Alderson did a deal based off Baseball America. It's fascinating. Yeah, and, and one of the guys he got in that deal uh, for uh, Ricky when he sent that did that deal with the Yankees. I'm I'm drawing a blank on his name, so I'm trying to look his name up right now. He was a he was a reliever for them, and then Sandy traded him again in '89 to get Ricky back. So, uh, what what was his oh, name? Oh, um, he used to do A's pre and post game live. Um, I'll, let me look on CSN. Um, the big lefty. Yes, he. Uh, I know I'm drawing blank too because I knew it last time we talked about him, but it is. Let's see. What, what, what? Why is that? Oh, uh, Eric Plank. Oh, that's not who I was thinking. Yeah, about. Eric Plank but, was the okay. guy that Sandy traded tw- traded for, and then traded <laughs> traded to get Ricky back. <laughs> All right, we'll be back on Friday after the A's game that you'll hear right here on A's Cast. Be well, be safe, everybody, and we'll talk to you on Friday. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 